Ooh. Are we live? Do we have the intro? I don't know how it works. I don't know. Have we got the music? <laughs> <laughs> Does it do all the music? Does it do that? I don't know. Hello there, everyone. How are you all doing? I am the delicious... I am the delicious... I've realised I've got it on the screen. This is all going wrong already, which shouldn't be the case, because when you put me in charge of things... <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm noticing the pattern here. But yes, so, hello there, everyone. Welcome to Trekking Up North. You might notice that Captain Goodwill is not here, but you're in very, very safe hands because it is me, Science Officer Sonoys, and General Kirky, who has rejoined us. How are you doing, my dear? Kapla, thank you for having me. I'm really well, thank you. And yourself? I'm all right. I'm I'm surviving. I'm in that I'm in that like eye of the storm where I've got all of these gigs and all these crazy things happening. But because you've had the panicky period and you've sorted everything, you're like, I just wait for it to happen. Then now, you know, it's <laughs> it's quite crazy though. Like you know, coming from like a place of massive anxiety, like I used to have. Like you, you'll know how anxious I used to get. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Like literally, just being told yesterday, oh yeah, when you're doing this um show like next week, the the drag race viewing party. Oh, you need to do a performance as well. And I'm like, oh, that would have made me really <laughs> nervous before, but I'll just pull one out the bag and just do that one. And it's kind of. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of great. <laughs> you know, looking back and being like, "Oh, I've got fairly good with uh, anxiety and whatnot." <laughs> it's all that having to put yourself out there all the time. It it's really all... is. It's tearing the band band aid off and just being like in out there, you know. But yes, anyway, we need to do this episode. We need to do it properly because we are professionals, as I said before. Oh, totally professional. Totally professional. We haven't messed up the intro already. Anyway, <laughs> space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the USS Adequate, our ongoing mission, until we are cancelled and replaced by something far superior, to review every Star Trek episode and movie in existence, to find new guests and make them very uncomfortable, <laughs> to boldly go where many other shows have gone before. <laughs> I... <laughs> The captain is on shore leave on Riser, also known as America, or I don't even know where he is. Have you been following his adventures, Kirky? No, well, sort of. All I saw was a very sunburnt photograph of him doing something really silly. So, you know. He's living the dream, though. <laughs> he's I, think, living... I, think he's, I think today he's actually got to meet the shuttle pod crew guys. So I no. think he's actually got to meet Mark oh, and Wilson and stuff. I How think. I, I've been way too busy to actually check, but I'm going to go through the list and stuff. But I'm very, I'm so pleased that he's having such a good time, you know? Like, the, the photos make me really jealous, even though he hasn't sent me enough food pictures. Because that's all I care about. I'm like, yeah, you, yeah, you got <laughs> the Golden food? Gate Bridge. Yeah, you got all these fancy buildings. That's lovely. What, how big is the pizza? Like, show me how big <laughs> the, these hot dogs are. I want to see the super size. <laughs> yeah. Well, I keep hearing stories about, like, people going to America and being like, oh, um, we'll take two large pizzas. And the woman's like, you can't handle the large pizza. And they're like, yes, we can. And then they come back and it's, like, bigger than the table. And I'm like, I want that. <laughs> I want that. <laughs> And then I'll put them on top of each other and fold them over and just unhinge my jaw. Super like calzone. Yeah, super, <laughs> super calzone. Anyway, like, we don't even need Captain Goodwill. I mean, what does he even do around here? I mean, you know, like, you know, I'm pretty much in charge of everything. I mean, you know, me and you together in charge of a spaceship. I mean, what's the worst <laughs> that could happen, right? Oh, 
Oh dear. I'm dragon. <laughs> Do a shocked face. Well, oh. okay, that, um, okay, not the best start, but none of us ever said that we were professionals. <laughs> Ish. Okay, well, um, yeah, so, okay, uh, I'm gonna get fired for this. But <laughs> this is where Goodwill comes back and goes, No, <laughs> what have you done, my baby? It's oh, fine, we'll fix it up. Like, like, you know, there, there's no. Time doesn't mean anything in Star Trek, so Geordie yeah. will have it fixed in a day, you know. Oh, good, fun. yeah. <laughs> we don't even have a chief engineer. We'll we'll put one on, like, you know, <laughs> we'll ask on, like, Fiverr or something for an engineer. Anybody got a <laughs> chief engineer in the chat? I think we're in need. Yeah. I, think, I think my driving has struck again, I think. Uh... <laughs> this is what I do when I just sort of gaffer tape the steering wheel down, and they're like, we don't even have a steering wheel. What was I? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> oh God! <laughs> but yes, okay. So, uh, but yes, we are here uh, to go over two episodes of Lower Decks, which is going to go terribly um, because we missed last week because I was unavailable to do it. Uh, we we're talking to Paul because basically, um, yeah, uh, ba basically, uh, I was very, very busy last week, and I managed to get all my work done in time. And then just decided, actually, rather than faffing around, getting everything ready for this and watching Lower Decks and making notes, I'll just have a day off. <laughs> and so I had a very nice day off. And then we were on the faculty podcast, which is quite good, I think. And that's something that comes out in the two episodes that we're going to be talking about today is the idea of how important mental mental health is and how Absolutely. it can actually, you know, taking time out can make you better, even if you feel like you're missing something or you're not doing something properly, which uh, I think is quite good that we got that message in the second episode. I'm just yeah. laughing in chat with Christopher Reid with, ah, it'll buff out, it's all right. It'll buff out. <laughs> I, I just love the, like, me, me and Troy are sort of one for one on, like, you know, spaceship crashes. <laughs> Who did the most destruction? <laughs> yeah, that's it, me. <laughs> we are the only surviving members of the crew, but we'll uh, we'll, we'll get some more. We'll eBay some. <laughs> we'll, we'll replicate some crew members. I'm sure that's a thing. It probably isn't one of them. No, what we'll do is we'll clone them. We'll get Goodwill back and we'll do like a Riker clones. Just loads Riker of, loads of clones. <laughs> but all with slightly different frosted tips. Yeah. <laughs> Just different colours. We need the blue one. Get the blue one over here. Get the blue we'll one the blue over. One. That, that's medical. <laughs> there we go. But yeah. So <laughs> this is the final episode of the podcast tonight. Thanks. <laughs> we ruined it. We destroyed it. We're left in charge. End of. <laughs> but yeah. Um, <laughs> now you haven't been following Lower Decks this season. So you've had to sort of catch up a lot, haven't you? I did. So I have missed Lower Decks so far just due to work commitments and various other things. And mm. also the fact that I ended up accidentally rewatching all of the Orville just by accident. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I'm i not going to lie, I watched everything up to date uh, in the last 12 hours. Well, bloody hell. <laughs> and luckily for you, we're only going to watch the last two episodes. Exactly. So, you know, that was so a massive I just extra waste commitment. Of time, wasn't it? <laughs> 
monumental waste of time, but I did it anyway. <laughs> well, how are you finding it though? Like, you know, how are you actually, because it was this weird thing where Lower Decks is such a crazy gamble and yet like we are loving it because it's like me and Goodwill because we're just like, it's it's a perfect homage, but that's still a good show. Yay! <laughs> it's pure joy. So I think for me, Lower Decks, when I first watched the first season, um, it was everything I've kind of wanted from a Trek without it ruining or tainting any of the old previous Trek. It's yeah. it's it's a real fan service Trek. It, it, you know, all of the Easter eggs, all of the wonderful things that they put into it, all of the absolutely hilarious humour. I mean, I made the very poor mistake of um, letting my little boy actually watch the first few seconds of the first episode and then I forgot yeah. what Mariner does and I was like oh so <laughs> you know I had to turn it off at which point he was like <laughs> um but for, Wait, for me the so fact that they they have swearing in it and they beep yeah. it but not very well like you know when <laughs> when when the doctor Tiana's talking and you just literally like you can blatantly tell that they said fuck like yeah this <laughs> Oh, we got more past 10 seconds, 10 minutes in the podcast before one came out. Hey! Yes. Hey! Um, no, so season four is a joy. Um, I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed watching this season. Um, and the like the two episodes we're going to review also a joy. Mm. Um, but it's it's fabulous. It's everything you wanted. It's all of the humor, all of the Mickey take. Um, you know, just to reference back to the Orville, Orville has that sci-fi sense of humour, but this takes it to a proper Star Trek humour. Yeah. It's got almost like the data level of humour, but with just foul language <laughs> this time. And it's just it's just wrong in some aspects and just perfect. I've got, so yeah, I'm over the moon. Well, what? Goodwill's in the chat? Goodwill, he's Goodwill! outside the Charmed House. From ah, the you have to get Charmed. photos! He's not allowed to like that. He's not a gay... Only women and gays can like charm. Those I'm a ones. woman. I'm okay. Are, are you a woman, Goodwill? Or yes, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm making the executive decision. Oh, still crazy. Some are mark. you having a good time, Goodwill? <laughs> it's like we're trying to contact the uh, the roving reporter. Hello, Goodwill. Are you having a good time? Good what time. is the weather like there? <laughs> <laughs> are you applying sunscreen? No, I yeah. thought not. <laughs> it's raining cats and dogs. <laughs> The guy from from Family Guy, but um, yeah, no, uh, but like I really like these episodes because the first episode we got of season four was just the biggest Voyager homage you could ever get, like, and it was absolutely <laughs> hilarious because you're just going, "Wow, I don't think you could have fit more references to no. Voyager in one episode." And then it's it's great that like these two have been very back to the the sort of. The, the nice balance of going, hey, look, there's we're taking a bit of Trek lore and we're expanding upon it or we're kind of playing with it a bit. Because in the first episode, we get a lot of depth, uh, like extra sort of lore about Orions who we haven't really heard that much about, really. Yes. And then in the second episode, we've basically got like, you know, Betazoids coming back and, uh, you know, like basically very much reference to Luxana Troy ambassador role in... Triple threat, woo! Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, obviously, we also have like in Vulcan physiology and stuff. It's yes. it's a really, really interesting set of episodes. But yes, but yeah. So, uh, what's Goodwill saying? Can't stay long as I've not seen this week's episode. We'll spoil it for you. Uh, what, spoiler alert! What's a massive spoiler? spoiler? Alert. Um, 
don't know. I can't be bothered to turn the page. But yeah, just we'll just say spoiler alert, and he can act like it's spoiler. Spoiler alert, ruined, totally ruined. An alien eats a bonsai tree. Right? Yeah, you're fucked. Okay, moving on. (laughs) Oh, we were trying to remember what the alien was called before we started, and we're like, it's it. Just in case you're wondering, we do we do take notes on a regular basis. Just mine's a string of post-it notes stuck (laughs) together because I'm that professional. This is the work (laughs) I'm having to do when fucking Goodwill's not here. I'm like, oh god, I can't just turn up and talk shit. I've got to actually know what happens in the episodes. (laughs) And then still turn up and talk shit. That's it. But that's what I'm good at. That's that's why I'm here. You know, it's like this organized stuff. But yeah, okay. Let's get talking about uh, the episode. Is everyone okay in the chat? Is everyone? Hope everyone has had a wonderful week. Thank you for joining us. And I hope you enjoyed the random movie review of the faculty last week. (laughs) Hold on. Goodwill's made a good Wilson volleyball with frosted tips. Oh, no, he's he's gone full castaway. (laughs) (laughs) We've lost him. He's gone forever. (laughs) And and he sort of pans out and he's blatantly still in society. He's just on the beach, but he's still gone, like, you know, shipwrecked crazy. (laughs) Oh, dear. Right, okay. So let's let's get going, really. Okay. So the first episode we got was Something Borrowed, Something Green. And this episode is all about Tendi and her history, because she's the only Orion member of the crew that we have. And she's quite an exception to everything, really, because... Well, Orions are all pirates, basically. Like, and scientists. she's an exception to that. Oh yeah, yeah, scientists, but borrowing scientists, but borrowing uh, scientists. Yes, <laughs> I, I do quite like though that you know this episode is great because it's very funny and very silly, but then it actually gives law for Orions, which are one of the most mysterious races in Trek because they got like two episodes in the original series, and they got like two episodes of Enterprise and then they were recently in Picard I think. There was a bit in Discovery as well, um, I think Discovery season four, I could was be wrong um, and there was a bit where obviously the, the Emerald Chain come into it mm. um, you know they're mentioned quite a lot um, so I think what what's sort of for me has happened with, with the Orion is they've gone from being and this might sound a little bit sort of, but a very sort of pin-up race, sort of initially yeah. sort of there to be a pin-up race and sort of, you know, they, they touched on it a little bit, but like the, the slavery and the pin-up. And then as it's gone on, they've progressed to be probably worse than the Ferengi. There's this whole concept <laughs> of this huge background that's come out. And that I really loved about this episode. It was really interesting. Well, it's really interesting because obviously in DS9, the Orions get mentioned a lot because the Orion Syndicate is like mentioned all the time in uh, Deep Space Nine. But I don't think we ever actually see an Orion. We never see anyone like painted green and we're like, oh, oh, they're there behind the scenes, but without actually being involved in things, which is quite interesting, I think. Uh, you know, but but they are. I don't think they've gotten the time they deserve. And then it's really interesting that now we've kind of got this happening in Lower Decks. And then in the uh, Strange New Worlds Lower Decks crossover, we yes. got like extra bit of lore for Orions there where we kind yes. of find out that they can be scientists. They're not all yeah. crazy pirates and stuff. And then this episode's kind of building on that. And I kind of like that, you know, because obviously Orion started out being very questionable content because the whole point of them was that they're sexy naked women uh 
you know, and then it was just going, oh, this is not very family friendly. And then Enterprise kind of pulled it back by being like, oh, actually, it's the women who are in charge. And like, it's it's not slave girls. It's actually the slave girls are the women who are in charge. Yes. And the men are doing their bidding. And yes. it's this whole role reversal thing. And you're like, OK, good save, Enterprise. And then with this episode, we get loads of it. We get loads of stuff about the... <laughs> the, the moans! <laughs> yeah, that's it, moans. <laughs> well, what are they called? Like, the, the guys who are slaves to moans? Is it... He's a moan... <laughs> Moanhead. That was it. Moanhead. Moanhead. It's not on my notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So we'll do this the standard way Goodwill does it. So we'll go scene by scene and we'll... It's not going to go that way. We know we're going to get sidetracked. We're going to get massively <laughs> sidetracked. We... Me and you have two hours to talk about. <laughs> Hold on, less than two hours now, probably about an hour <laughs> forty to talk about two episodes. And we're we can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Chat, do you think you, we can do it? This is the time for a poll. Can they manage it? Fuck no, right? That's the only <laughs> option on the poll. But yeah, so yeah, we get now. This is interesting. We get two cold openings in this show. Yes. Well, no, actually, no. So we don't. We don't. This is like an opening where basically we see an Orion pirate ship uh, and it's some Orion pirates, two women and a male, and they're going through all of the treasure. And the male is talking about how he's going to get this done, how he's going to be the greatest pirate of all time and whatnot. And they're kind of pointing out that like they're pet pirate adjacent, I think is what they say, because they're technically not actually doing any pirating. This must be what Klingon scientists are like, where they're not Klingon <laughs> warriors. They're just kind of, you know, like Klingon. Oh, look, this works. Duh. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm a warrior. Just over call for fixing something. But yeah. But yeah, uh, on, and then we basically cut to the bridge and these Orions come across the mystery ship that we've been yes. seeing and we've been building over the last couple of episodes. So if you don't remember the last episode we talked about, every single episode of this series has had this mysterious ship appear and destroy one of the main races. So we, uh, like a ship of one of the main races. So we've seen it attack Klingons. We've seen it attack Romulans. I think there was another one, uh, maybe. And then we've seen it today attack the Orions. Yes. And basically they decide, oh, it's just a little ship. We're going to try and attack it. And then as soon as they sort of uh, lock weapons on it, all of their power goes out like we've seen before. The ship turns around and laser beams them. Totally destroys it. <laughs> and it's it's kind of brutal, isn't it? Like yeah, you can hear screams huge. and stuff. And you're like, oh, okay, this is... <laughs> not for the faint heart of Lower Decks. Definitely not for your child. <laughs> yeah, like, you've just talked about this. Where you're like, oh, I'm trying to watch this. There's a lot of swearing. Right. <laughs> But uh, but what do you think this ship is? Like, have you got any theories? Um, the only thing that I've kind of come to the conclusion over the last 12 hours is potentially it's like a, um, the very fact that it's gone for the different races, I feel like it's some kind of harvesting. Hmm. Like um, it's either um, a collector uh, and like an alien race that collects. I mean, obviously we, we touched upon in one of the other yeah. episodes about, you know, museums. Um, it's either something like that or it is like a, a DNA harvester or something. I don't it's think it's a race. Much DNA. <laughs> no, well, yeah, it's more like a pattern harvester. Yeah, just destroy yeah. it with the DNA harvester. I think obviously that that's the sort of theory I'm going down those sort of lines. I think it's it's collecting something or it's it's destroying like the races that seem to be of power as well. Mm. So every race that seems to have been hit, Romulans, Klingons. 
Um, but it hasn't attacked anything Federation yet, as we've yeah. seen. So we'll leave that thought. But I, I do think it's some other entity. You see, I, I'm wondering if maybe it could be Section 31. I kind of think that maybe it's actually an in, you know, the, the call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> Dirty work. <laughs> Dirty work, but yeah. Dirty work it, that nobody knows exists. It'd be quite good to sort of get Section 31 back into the fray, because the yeah. last time they were properly mentioned, because we got them on Enterprise, and they were in Discovery, but we got, probably last time was DS9. Like, they're not in Voyager at all, are they? Not to my knowledge, no. I mean, they are quite a big part of Discovery. Mm. Um, and there was supposed to be a spin-off. Um, whether that is still in, that will be a goodwill question. You yeah. know, he's, he's well, the one that's... I think, well, the intention is to do a spin-off, but obviously with a writer's strike, we don't know what's going to get shelved and now. what's going to be like sort of, oh, well, we can't be bothered with that. And like, you know how stupid they are, where they're just like going, oh, yeah, support the writer's strike. I haven't done that bit because Goodwill's not here, but... Uh, we'll support yeah, the Yeah, pay, pay your writers, you fuckers. And pay actors. <laughs> oh, no, don't pay actors, no. They should, <laughs> all actors should work for free. Says <laughs> you. Well, that, what they should do is they... The, the way actors should be paid, okay, is the producers should hold out some seeds on their hand and then the actor sort of, you know, comes down from a little tree and it's a bit nervous and it sort of like little nibbles the, the nuts out of their hands. <laughs> Just for record, he is sarcasm. This is sarcasm. This is sarcasm. Right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just in imagine, case anybody imagine. missed that, he is not. <laughs> to be fair, imagine if someone thought I was serious and they were just like, well, that sounds infeasible, <laughs> you know, just a, to, like total <laughs> Vulcan point of view. Just no, because they don't even provide them seeds nowadays. That's they, <laughs> they don't. They, they don't even provide little sort of wash basins for actors to sort of flap around in when it's a hot day. And it's just it, it's shocking the conditions that, you know, Hollywood actors have to go through. It is. No, no, genuinely they are. So, you know, support yeah, your writers, support your, support your actors that, you know, we can wait for TV. We can wait, you know. For, for what we want but hopefully the dodo section i mean you're right section 31 needs to be in um i'm not convinced on that though so i think that should be something chat put in your suggestions of what yeah. you think's going on because i, I what, <laughs> what we're seeing very much from picard season three is just how loved every aspect of the star trek universe is and yes. how you could take you could put a magnifying glass on any part of it and make a show out of it you could do a section 31 show say a section 38 show you could do is it section, section 31 oh section no section 30. 38 is the fucking um tory bullshit anti <laughs> like, section 28 that's what i'm thinking of. fuck fuck the tories um <laughs> demonetized but yeah um what do you at this point it? our cult leaders just sat there going the official start you know the men with like the two hands over there he's just like oh here we go what to do what have we done why <laughs> good will come back come yeah, back will come back be professional but yeah uh but no there's so many things you could do a ferengi show you could do like you could probably do a great one about orions frankly like from yes. what we see in this episode you could do a whole show about like uh, orion pirates and how yes. the view works because yeah because they have a pretty fun society so anyway yeah so basically we Society. get this... moans. Moan, moan head. But yeah, okay. So basically we have the intro where basically the ship gets destroyed and then we cut to uh, Tendi, Mariner and Talin and they're doing a stock take with weird hexagon crates and uh, Tendi's actually run out of tasks to do. So she's trying to, she's thinking about doing something fun, but then Captain Friedman arrives to tell her that she's got shore leave and she gets to visit Orion for her sister's wedding. <laughs> no! 
<laughs> and she's just not very happy about it basically <laughs> she's she's not very happy about it and everyone's like oh that'll be amazing and uh Talyn the Vulcan is uh saying oh she'd love to go uh to Orion and study everything because not much is known about the Orions because they're a very secretive race and obviously Tendi doesn't want this at all because there's a reason why she's in Starfleet she is not at all happy or proud of her Orion heritage as we've seen in previous episodes she's like no please don't <laughs> <laughs> Please don't follow me. You don't need to know. <laughs> yeah. So that's the A plot of the episode is basically Tendi Mariner and Talyn like going on a girl's trip to like an Orion wedding and then getting in loads of trouble. But then the other yeah. side plot we have, which is even weirder, uh, is in Boimler's quarters because Boimler and Rutherford have moved in together and they're and everyone's talking about how close they are and how they're finishing each other's sentences. But then... Uh, <laughs> And they're talking about the quality of bed sheets, and it's all a bit. Yeah, My Andorian bit... linen. Check it. It's not Andorian linen. It's Andorian linen. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, they're just massive fucking nerds. <laughs> and it's brilliant. <laughs> well, what's the line it has? It has, like, hold on, I wrote it down. It's like, yeah, a cool duvet keeps the raisin rats away. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> and you're like, what is a raisin rat? Like, it does that Star Trek thing of just being like, what is that? Like, you know, they're not quite as fast as Doctor Who, where it just goes, here's a billion phrases that we will never back up, or we will never mention this thing again, you know. Raisin rat. We're probably going to find it, though. I bet you at some point that little Easter egg nugget is dropped in as a raisin rat, and we're like, yeah. what, what is it? <laughs> It'll be a joke of just going, everyone on the internet's going to be like, well, what's a fucking raisin rat? They haven't been in any of the lore so far, and then there'll be a massive thing later on. <laughs> but yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, so basically... Uh, everyone, you know, they're getting on like a house on fire until it comes to watering the bonsai tree, and they have a fight over who's going to water the bonsai tree. It's just, just campus tits. Give me the mister. Give me the mister. It's my mister. I can work out exactly what one quantities it needs. But I, so do I. But I know it needs this. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. So it ends up in it ends up in a massive air fight between them. But then they find out that they've actually got the holodeck booped. And so they're going to have to go off to the holodeck. So we cut back to, uh, well, we're getting to the planet Orion, aren't we? Yeah. Yes. Yes. They get to the planet Orion uh, and we find out that Tendi grew up in a castle. So, you know, the thing where she's been downplaying a heritage and then she's just like, oh, yeah, my family lives in a castle. And, and they think they're getting Oops. attacked by bodyguards because there's these like Orion ninjas that come out. And then it turns out that actually they're just bodyguards. So they're um they get out of what's what's it called? The thing they're sitting on. Like it's a oh, like a like a Roman uh yeah, no, I don't know the name for what's it. What's it called? A uh chaise long? No, it's a sedan. Yeah, they get sedan. I thought that was a type of car, but they basically get a big sedan. <laughs> Not sit a on. sedan like that. <laughs> Imagine they just carry the they have Tom Paris being like, oh look, an old car. Ooh, something to be excited about. <laughs> Finally, I have relevancy in this plot. <laughs> fucking Tom Paris but <laughs> I, I, will no, I love Tom it. Paris but it is you'll just get like a Tom going... Paris plate for Christmas if you keep slagging him off oh, I treasure them <laughs> <laughs> I just I just love the Tom Paris thing where they just made a character and then just went wait this is really difficult to use in the Delta Quadrant miles away from everything so they just have to make very jarring kind of episodes to go oh yeah he likes old films so now we've got like you know photograph of me 
meet Robert Duncan McNeil, my face was like this. I was so happy. It was such a happy moment. And then I got the picture and I was like, my face looks terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Is he he a nice guy? Wonderful, wonderful Mm. guy. Really genuinely lovely. But uh, yeah, my face was just like the the fan fan face of Doom. I was, because I was a massive <laughs> He-Man fan when I was a kid as well. And obviously, he was in He-Man, Master of the Universe. And I was yeah. like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah. It's so. crazy thinking about that, like, because you know that thing where like something that was like when you were a kid feels like years and years older, like ago, and then when something when you're a teenager it doesn't feel that old. And Master of the Universe, the film, crushes crosses that threshold when yeah. this guy going oh that was fucking years ago but voyager wasn't i'm like wait hang on they're like 10 years apart like you know it's barely yeah. anything like yeah yeah it's crazy isn't it absolutely crazy yeah and then i realize i'm old <laughs> we're both <Boom>. old <laughs> <laughs> but yeah right so I where think... we are we are tendy's planet home planet where yeah, should be and the gang carried to the castle and i i quite like the fact that basically tendy's you know they're all going whoa you must be loaded and she's like no no my family's barely the richest like the fifth richest like family in the syndicate and he's just like okay <laughs> only the fifth richest of like the biggest crime syndicate in the entire galaxy uh and yeah, and then basically what we get is a running joke throughout this where Talyn is taking notes on everything that uh, happens. And it's basically Tendi trying to downplay how all the rumours about Orion's aren't true and they're not all crazy, mad, sex-mad pirates and stuff. And then throughout the entire episode, she's just, yeah, she's proved right about everything where we basically see that all the rumours are true about all the Orion. <laughs> My favourite bit coming up in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, next we get to actually meet uh, Tendi's parents, which uh, is Queen Shona and Brut. <laughs> Brut. <laughs> Brut. <laughs> when spelled, the subtitles I had on Amazon spelt it B, uh, B apostrophe R T T or something. And I'm just like, that's Bert. <laughs> you know, Bert. Like, but done in a Star Trek way. So <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> But yeah, I quite I quite like that. But basically, the plot is that uh, it is meant to be a sister's wedding, but a sister Derricka has been kidnapped, and apparently, bridal kidnapping is a rite of passage. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's all right. I'm sure they'll return. I'm sure a demand will come through soon. Don't worry about it. It's all fine. Just a bridal kidnapping. I just love this episode because it literally like it, it's like it's like you get an action movie or like a spy movie like sort of like bond or like john wick but where the character really doesn't want to be there like he's just <laughs> very much kind of oh god do we have to have a gunfight oh do we have to have this and the whole thing is literally tendy having to go on this like quest essentially through all of the sort of orion underworld and she's just winging it she's just like i oh, can't be asked you know but like <laughs> and I think it's a great take on it, you know, rather than this suit. And obviously Mariner and Tolin are just like, oh, this is super exciting. And like, you know, really over Mariner's the top. like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> great. Look at this. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And Tendi's just like, oh, God, I suppose I'll do the knife fight then. You know, I suppose <laughs> I'll go and speak to a drug lord. You know, <laughs> And I, I just think it's really fun. And it's the idea of this is what Lower Decks does really well, where it makes a very fun episode. Uh, around a forgotten Star Trek concept uh, while still being incredibly funny, I think. Yes, but... yes. 
Yeah, and then then what do they do? They they they're like they're like, oh well, go and find, go and save your air sister. We're off to the oil baths, and you're yes. just like, okay. And Mario's like, I want a Chinese oil baths. I was talking about. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's just that thing about like we're just finding out that Orion's society is absolutely fucked, basically. Absolutely yeah. zero parental care whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, we're off for an oil bath. Go find your sister. She'll be fine. Now She's the good. next scene is this is one of the most. I keep thinking they can't do more obscure TNG references, but then they just keep one-upping themselves. Because yes. in the next scene, we have Boimler and Rutherford, uh, who after misting one another, they've gone to the holodeck because they had it booked. <laughs> and they both turn up as Mark Twain. Which, <laughs> if you remember from like, I forgot, well, what's the episode from TNG? It's like the end of series two-parter, isn't it? But yes. it's the one where Data goes back in time. They find Data's head. Data goes back in time. And then he basically gets stalked by the author, Mark Twain. <laughs> like the most Southern gentleman <laughs> in the world. And when I was a kid, I didn't know who Mark Twain is because American history. Why the fuck would an English person yeah. know who Mark Twain is? But now I do. But I thought it was Einstein. And I was like, why is Einstein following that? Why is, why is Einstein Southern rather than German? Because he's got this big sort of bouffant, like, you know, like, grey hair. And Easy sort of mistake to make. Yeah, that's it. I was like, so he's like Southern Einstein. And then as an adult, I'm like, it's Mark Twain. I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> now I know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Now I've learned something. But yeah, but no, it's quite good. So it's like they both turned up wanting to play Mark Twain in this hollow novel. Uh, and obviously it's the whole, well, one of us is going to have to change. And they start arguing again, just like the mister. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> well, it. I'm not going to change. You're going to change. <laughs> no, I, do. I, I love that. So they go into a slew of insults against each other, but they're all keeping in characters. They're all like Southern insults. And like, it's like tarnation. And one of them is like grits, grits, grits. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. I just like. You know, it's obviously there's something very therapeutic. It's like it's like when I try to talk like Southern, where it's like, all right, my loves, yeah, right, yeah. Gonna go to London and get like some sort of, you know, eggs in there and then I'm gonna put them in my in my bra and like, yeah, be proper banging. You know, and it's but you know, there's something therapeutic about talking like that. And I, I think the same is it's the same for the Southern American accent. Does anyone in the chat find that? <laughs> I'm reading the chat, and uh, <laughs> all all I've got so far is sex mad pirate. You say it sounds like an episode of Big Fat Gypsy Wedding. Mm. <laughs> you never accurate. watched accurate. If they were green, if they were green, it would be. So well, I, I love I do love the Southern American accent, or I as the really Southern, like I love both actually. I think it's really interesting. So like when you watch um sort of the filming of of Mice and Men, for example, that uses a really strong Southern American yeah. accent. It's fantastic. Um, a southern English accent um, is very interesting, is all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a choice. But um, <laughs> I do declare. <laughs> that's it. Like, I'm, my favorite thing is um, on the, yeah, I love that accent. A, oh my Lord, I do declare. Like, actually, fucking, you know, the Disney movie, The Princess and the Frog. It's one of my, one of my yes. favorites. And it has the character of Lottie in it. And I just love her accent. She's just this like Southern Belle kind of thing with a wonderful accent. I love that so much. On the Girl podcast, um, we've had like quite a few guests who are from like South America. Well, no, Southern America, not South America. 
Southern America and they have that wonderful accent and they say that they sort of find themselves downplaying it when they're in like other states and stuff and I'm like no you should rock up with it and just be like that's that's how I sound in my head Chris has a hillbilly accent <laughs> yeah there is no there's a southern drawl and then there's a hillbilly no in between do you know what it is I, I wonder for me I, I wonder what it's mm. like when you're Amer- when you're American this is something obviously I'm sure Mark will be able to say to hear yeah. then our northern accent coming out it's got to be really difficult because you know yeah we're used yeah. to it but well, we we have it sometimes on the girl podcast where we'll have like a Canadian guests mainly like Canadian guests for some reason just when, when they hear sort of Stu and Glenn who speak very much northern like they'll just be like what you know like <laughs> you know and have to repeat themselves and stuff and he's just going like oh wow but we're used to it like you know I, I think because I talk weirdly like I think posh, that's a bit easier because you're posh and I can say that because I've known like, you because you're yeah. posh <laughs> I actually I sound like a chap you got 20 cents <laughs> for the May <laughs> yeah hey man shut up <laughs> you're not who me diaries because <laughs> I don't but <laughs> I guess moving on moving on back to the episode. back to the we're gonna need yeah, chat tarnation. to keep direct right back to it <laughs> oh okay. wow so the next scene, the next scene that we get is in an Orion club, and it's basically like a booming, like German kind of nightclub, which is. And great. I cannot remember the name of it, but it's got a really wicked name, and it's complete. I didn't write it on my notes as per normal. You gather, and I'm really awful. At Did it have a name? Oh, I don't it had know. Had a name, and it was um, it was spectacular. It had a really <laughs> spectacular name. But yes, oh, anyway, we're at this club. Go yeah. on. And it's yeah, and basically it's like um they've all had to dress up in Orion clothing and whatnot. So Tillin is not very happy about the lack of fabric. <laughs> I think she says, "What well, what is it? This this material is inefficient." <laughs> it is. This material is inefficient. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but basically they get to the door and the bouncers just like you know turn them away and then realizes it's Tendy and then immediately starts cowering. And he goes, <laughs> "Mistress of the Winter Constellations, please don't flay me." <laughs> She's like, I'm not going to flay you. you And then then she goes in and he's just like, my grandchildren will sing of this day. (laughs) Well, I love that Tendi is like trying to downplay how famous and rich he is on a home planet. And then everything is going against it by everyone worshipping the ground she walks up. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's quite good because they're in the club and then basically the, the madame of the club, which is who they've gone to see, literally just throws a dagger out of nowhere while they're standing at the bar. And it gets Mariner in the shoulder. Straight, up it her. <laughs> straight in the shoulder. And she's like, ow! <laughs> that's it. And no one's bothered at all. But basically, that's how they greet people. Like, they, they, the pirates is literally just throwing daggers. That's their introduction. She takes it out and she just puts it in a jar full of blood to go to daggers. Just yeah, like, like it's like oh well, you know, it's, like it's like a used glass or something. And they're just like oh well, to the wine some blood-soaked daggers are a thing. But, but yeah, no, that's it. But yeah, um, uh, basically, Tendi has a standoff with her. Uh, she's refusing to give her any. any uh, the madam's refusing to give her any information. So what do they do? They play like a weird drinking game where they get like. Yes. A murder bug, band? murder bug drinking game. <laughs> murder bug drinking game. <laughs> Which I totally think at some party we are going to have to have a murder bug drinking game. Where, where are we going to find a murder bug? Oh no! <laughs> can we just can we use a hamster or something? 
if we if we dress up a hamster as like a giant cockroach or something. <laughs> hey, book. Legend of Land, so welcome to the, the murder book in the murder book in it is like a a small creature that comes to bring it out in like a little tub, and it's all like Meh! it's like a little um um I can't even describe it. It's like a proper fangs, like a little mini predator, yeah. and they let it loose, and they've got to do a shot in order to get the the um. Yeah. Shield? So yeah, so they have to take a, the they hand. have to take it, they have to put the hand down on the table to attract the bug, then they have to take the shot, and then when they slam the empty shot glass down, it creates a force field around their hand that makes the bug not go for them. And then the bug turns around and goes to the other person <laughs> who has to do a shot and do that. So when they can't do any shots anymore, the bug will get their hand, basically. And I assume that it's instant death. Like, you know. It's got to be, hasn't it? Anyway, just to clarify, just as the cult master has put in, no, we aren't drinking anything from a hamster in chat. We weren't no. going to drink anything from a hamster. Thanks for spoiling our phone. <laughs> you don't let me do anything I want to do. <laughs> I get no fun. It's no fun. <laughs> just have a proper like brat rant about it. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Spose. You know, it's like we've got murder bugs at home. It's like the murder bugs at home. And it's like a hamster with some wings sellotaped on it. <laughs> right. So we're, we're yeah. In we the basically club. yeah, we basically see that um like Tendi basically wins the drinking game. Uh, you know, beats the madam, and then the madam, like the madam, stumbles, and then Tendi decides to actually save her by putting a glass over the murder bug, and basically, you know, saves her. And the madam tells her the information she wants to know, which is that basically, uh, her sister's ex is the one going after her. I think what's his name? Sister's Niall. ex, who was Nyan, Nyan. He is still in love with her. Nyan, yes. yeah, yeah, but. But I, I love the idea that this is just a casual thing. Like, you know, like sort of Tendi is just like, like it was like sort of opening a door or something. Just one, like a, a, a shot drinking murder bug game with like a, you know, like a, a terrorist, of a, a, you know, a crime leader, effectively. It's a, it's a gang leading way of uh, getting information, murder bug drinking. Um... And she acts so bored. She's like, oh God, if I have to take all these shots and stuff. <laughs> And Marvin is like, whoa, when did you get so good at this? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's really good. And then obviously, so he got the information now, so she's going to move on and try and find uh, Derek's ex. I love how all of the characters are just called, like, all of the Vulcans are just called T-something. So, all, like, yeah. all Vulcans are just called T-something. Uh, and then, like, all of the Orions are seemingly called D-something. And it's yeah. like... You know where you just go, oh, this is kind of lazy naming, but then at the same time you're like, this is quite funny that they've just gone, no, no, that's just a silly convention that we're going to use all the time. Oh god, this sounds like a night, a nightclub with the Velvet Snatch and Lee. Oh god. I mean, I have had nights out with uh, the Velvet Snatch. I mean, the last yeah. one, I was on the metro trying to get my way home and I thought I was going to have to ring my neighbour to make sure I was on the right street because I completely mm. forgot where I was going. But that was, that's another story. <laughs> after ending up in the head of steam. But yes. Um, next where, so, next Thursday after the viewing party, I'm, it finishes at like 1 or 2 a.m. So I'm going to get very drunk. I'm going to have to just stay at Chiritsa's. 
I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm literally, I'm just going to, yeah, there's, there's no way I'm getting back to Sunderland at like 3am for like less than 40 quid. So let's not do that. But yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, just to I, comment, I, I can scene... see it says no hamsters were harmed in the making of this podcast. Um, just to clarify, Yet. definitely no hamsters have ever been harmed. We would never do that. <laughs> Serious. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, no, what, what, what about that grin suggested that I wasn't being serious <laughs> exactly? Oh, we're going to be in so much trouble. Really? Right, you know, like, this is the day we got demonetized. I think this is basically don't ever go on holiday again, Goodwill. But uh, don't leave for soon. The amount of money he's spending, he might well never. Uh, but yes, not but the wall, I, wall of bankruptcy, the holiday of bankruptcy. That's it. To be, he's going to have to sell some of his ships, I think. But oh, I'm so jealous. <gasps> I, I'm really, you know, when you feel trapped because he's having this amazing amazing holiday in America and then some of my other friends are having their honeymoon in Japan so my whole Facebook feed is just like places I want to be you know and I'm in fucking Sunderland <laughs> no I like Sunderland but yes okay moving on so I think the best bit about the end of this scene is that basically they've just had this weird murder drink off thing and then the madame's just like hey let's get brunch while you're in town girl and it's just like, what the fuck? Yeah, and Tendi's just like, there is no way I'm seeing her. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to her. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure, honey. No, that's not happening. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just immediately. <laughs> yeah. We then cut back to the holodeck and we have Boimler and Rutherford, and they've actually resolved their differences. They've actually found, bizarrely, that speaking in a Southern American accent, uh, like a Deep South accent, while dressed as Mark Twain, actually resolves disputes, which is. Very specific, I think, but you know, they're both sitting there complimenting each other with weird American phrases, which I absolutely love. Okay. I'll just check in the random chat, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, where were we going next? Oh, yeah. They now, what happens is they get called to the bridge, they get called to the bridge because of an emergency. Yes. Uh, and they're talking on the intercom like Mark Twain. And you wonder, does this happen much? Like this sounds like a TNG type thing, but like it's gotta be. It this is this has gotta be like a, another TNG kind of like Mickey, because you know Yeah. Yeah. But usually though, like when people, you know, like are on the holodeck and they get like called, they're like sensible about it, rather than being like, you know, oh, I'm dressed as Robin Hood, or or even Janeway, whenever she's randomly, you know that. <clears throat> weird plot that thankfully they forgot about where it's her being the nursemaid to like two young kids and then they just yes, gave up yes, on yes. it because I was like well that was shit but you know <laughs> it was though it was I was just like oh worst <laughs> worst side plot ever but yeah <laughs> it's just, it's just Janeway being like a, a milfy babysitter and I'm just my like, face hurts laughing <laughs> stop, stop moving it can't you, be, can't you be quiet and laugh? Christ. Just be like, be be Vulcan, okay? Just be be Vulcan. Just control yourself. Like like I do. <laughs> I can't fucking do it. Okay, right. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, they get called to the bridge, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, in, on a, back on Orion, they're basically on a lift going to a sex dungeon effectively or like some kind of sex club or I yes, don't know yes. what this is. What is it? Is it like a... Legends. 
Yeah, but they, well, they, they they call it a hump dungeon, and I'm just like going, is that like it's a moan dungeon? That's what it was. A moan dungeon. There we go. Yeah, no, like I'm not even joking about this, Nerdy uh, Paul. It's literally a sex dungeon they go to. I heard milk. <laughs> <laughs> so just to cut, I mean, obviously it's later, it's later at night. It is an adult program, so yeah, it is. It is a um, it's like a, a moan dungeon. But it, it sort of leans into the original sort of Orion thing, doesn't it? Because obviously the first Ryan's like, we obviously had the ladies in the chains. Now she walks in. And honestly, for anybody who was up here in a certain era, it kind of did remind me of Legends a little bit. Um, <laughs> they walk in and there's like a guy in a cage and he's like, oh, yeah. and you're like, oh, wow, this is like a really weird club. And you know what it is? Tandy's like, yeah. She's like, yeah, this is perfectly normal. Tandy's like, yeah, this is this is like perfectly normal. Wait, and Mariner's like, wow. <laughs> well, it's that they've turned it on its head a bit because obviously, like we, like I was saying at the beginning, like Star Trek did have the problematic like Orion slave girls, where you're just going, okay, this is a bit sexist. And they've totally changed it around now, where they've basically plot wise, they've said, oh, that was all a ruse. Actually, it's the it's the men who are subjugated and the men who are the slaves. Because the women can produce uh, really high pheromones that control the men. So the men became base, basically become sex slaves to the women and will do their bidding. And that's why they're always the muscle. That's why they're always the one going off and doing missions. Because they're being controlled by the women yes. like uh, behind the scenes. And rightly so. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, as it, as it should be. I mean, you know, everyone loves a girl boss. <laughs> <laughs> Someone was saying the other day that the term girl boss is like sex, you know, sexist because it should be woman boss or something. Like, you know, because it's like going, I'm oh, you've got to be young. And I'm just like, just be a boss. Girl, <laughs> girl woman, wench, whatever. <laughs> wench boss. <laughs> and this is my wench boss. They control my wenches. <laughs> Peruse my wenches. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah. Back on track because we're going to run out track. of time here, babe. Oh, bloody old God. But we're getting through. We're doomed. Uh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, okay. But I, I do like the fact that as they're going down to this club, they're all kind of remarking on how sort of like Tendi is just badass and like none of, you know, and they're just like going, is this normal? And they're like, oh yeah, of course it is. Like, you know, like to Lynn's surprise that Orions have a secondary education. <laughs> because when they're basically all pirates or sex slaves, it's going like, yeah, actually, why do you have like GCSEs or something? have a secondary education system mm. but yeah okay uh and it's quite good because obviously this is a flip side of the original thing where instead of sexy orion women in cages we're seeing sexy orion men in cages and women basically sort of yeah enjoying enjoying their company as as you would you might say <laughs> yeah and i like how this ties in with enterprise because obviously goodwill is very excited when we have like the wider Trek law accepting Enterprise because it was like hated, not hated, but it was they, you know, they kind of went, Oh, we released a show at the totally wrong time, and then we yes. totally mismanaged it and fucked it up, and then we're wondering why it didn't work. Oh, it mustn't have worked because it was a bad idea. And you're like, No, no, it wasn't. But you know, it was it, just it fits. It's it, like I said, there is no bad Trek, it mm. fits. I just think as it... <laughs> It's a little bit like the DS9 scenario. DS9 came out at a very pivotal time. Mm. And like I said before, I think when I was on one of these before and I spoke to Ira, he said it it was just way ahead of its time. 
And I think in some respects, Enterprise yeah. was just way ahead of its time. And I think that is sometimes all Trek, when you look at them now, a lot of them when they came out were very, very cutting edge for the era that they came out. And they were very, very political as well. And I think that the same with Enterprise, I think as generations are going on, it becomes more and more cemented as as part of it because people are taking it on more and more same as deep space nine more and more people are accepting of De- deep space nine but i remember when it came out mm. it it being less so so well, you know well loads of people were complaining because they're like oh but they're not going on adventures they're not like going off to new planets and they're not meeting all these things but you're like yeah but the building blocks are still there there's still new alien races every week there's still like you know all of this intrigue and stuff but i think it was the fact of because they weren't going to new planets every week and whatnot and that it wasn't a different sound stage all the time it was but it was the they had like four days, corridors in ds9 <laughs> they have like yeah. four corridors and they're like we can use the fuck out of these <laughs> I'd love to speak to Ira again just to ask him if he would probably do something different or if there's anything he would change and if I do get back to the next trek and he is mm. you know the next trek cons or one of the ones where he's there I'll probably try and ask him and say look was there anything but I know for a fact you know it was his heart and soul that went into that and yeah. it was just very different for the time and the same for Enterprise Enterprise was like the early it it was the early days of trek you know it wasn't but it was it was sort of very and to put that into context you know when you look at it now it fits perfectly but it didn't at the time i think in one respect what paul's pointing out is like when a new show comes out they change it up a lot and people don't like the change at first that's very much the case because i have you seen those news clippings about tng Yes, yes. Yeah, and people are like, this will never work. It's going to be rubbish. How can you do Star Trek without Captain Kirk and Spock? And this guy doesn't even have hair. He's going to be shit. And then you're literally like, well, that aged badly. Because it's one of the most beloved. And it's the same. I mean, same with Discovery. I mean, Discovery came out. I personally absolutely adore Discovery. Um, you know, when I was at the the TrekCon and they had all the, the Discovery actors and that there, it was just phenomenal. And I, I took to it straight away. But a lot of people were very much like oh my word it's so sparkly it's so new it's not mm. canon it doesn't fit it doesn't this but I think again as time goes on it'll start to meld in because it, again it was very much ahead of its time using some of the concept of um you know the, the mushrooms and the spores yeah. and the you know it's just very clever I think I, I think the problem is that it didn't it changed too much. It did that thing where it was like, it wasn't, It there was very little that was Star Trek about it, aside from the, you know, like bits of the lore and the concept. And you were a bit like, when you're so used to going, because all of Trek was filmed so close together that you were yes. like, oh, of course all the lighting looks the same. And of course the ships look the same. And of course the uniforms change, but they're the same. Like I didn't realize until like I met Goodwill how different, how every uniform is different in yes. like, and, and I never noticed. I was like, oh yeah, the, the science officer is in blue. They're in red, blah, blah, blah. And then you just go, no, it changes loads, but it doesn't feel like it because it's from the same era. Whereas Discovery is very much like, okay, everything looks different and everyone acts different and the situation has changed. And it was, I think it, it was difficult for people to get on board when what they wanted was a continuation of what they already had, I think. Yes, yes. And I agree with that. I totally do. I think that that applies in a lot of different scenarios to a lot of different treks, mm. except Lower Decks, which seems to have been widely accepted straight away. 
but that that's the thing it, it, it i think that lower decks especially this one where it skirts the line between nostalgia and also good storytelling and you're yeah. just going like you know it's not like just oh look at this thing you like this don't you let's just repeat loads of you know references and that's the whole show it's like literally wonderful writing and the references don't even need to be there it could be good trek without them yes but it's fun anyway because so, we've got another episode to get I through know. yet as well oh my word yeah okay we're introduced to the the madam another madam i think that's a thing uh, another madam of this sex dungeon called Ingrita, uh, mm. who's called Ingrita, who basically looks like Ursula the Sea Witch from The Little Mermaid. <laughs> like, like, I don't know if this is meant to be a reference, because you know this thing where I'm going, are they meant to look like Divine, the drag queen, who was the basis for Ursula, or are they just directly referencing Ursula, <laughs> you know? But yeah, or but that's or what both. she looks like. <laughs> yeah, or both. And, it, and it's wonderful that she looks like this, but basically... <laughs> Well, I've written down what she says. She says, relax, have a drink, get less, less chivious, less, less chivious. I've never even heard this word before. <laughs> and, and then, and then uh, Tendy's just like, I'm not interested in any of this sexy nonsense and greeting. <laughs> and I think sexy nonsense might be my new favourite term. <laughs> you have to get that in a drug. I don't want point. any of this sexy nonsense. <laughs> I don't want any sexy nonsense. <laughs> but yeah. But basically, uh, Talyn manages to insult her, and uh, Ingrida throws another dagger, which Talyn jumps out of the way of, and it hits Mariner in the shoulder. <laughs> in the same but, place. Yeah, in exactly oh, the same place, continuing a pattern throughout the episode of Mariner getting stabbed in the shoulder. What are the chances? Oh, man! <laughs> yeah. And it, it's quite good, but basically, yeah. So they have a big... They, they try to have a big fight where uh, Ingrida sends sets her minions on her, but uh, but basically, she gets a, a hormone spray out, doesn't she? And yes. then she manages to dissipate the effect of the female uh, pheromones on yes. the guys. And then they just go, oh, what am I doing here? And then, you know. <laughs> Why am I here? Oh my yeah. <laughs> it's just, I quite like this idea, though, of like, you know, like a sex slaves, like controlled by women's pheromones. And pretty, there must be a horror film, like, based upon that, surely. No, but there should be. Or we need oh, to wait, find somebody who knows. Chat. Isn't that what happens in species? Chat, help with that one. Yeah, please. help with that. If we, I don't. Oh, we don't have Sammy. Sammy will know. Sammy and Dan will know. Somebody quick, text Sammy. <laughs> text Sammy. Okay. <laughs> we need yeah. to know. So basically, uh, what in the end they basically they find Niall, uh, and he gives the inf- the. He gives uh, Tendi the information that she needs of basically he wasn't involved at all. However, he last saw De Erica at an old ship graveyard where basically yes. there's loads of broken ships. And Tendi's like, oh, obviously we used to go there as kids. That's where she'll be. Kind of thing. And yeah, and so she heads off. But <laughs> I do quite like that. Like Niall's just like, oh, I, I should get over De Erica and like not, you know, not like hang out in a sex club or whatever and then Ingrid is just like shut up and lick my foot (laughs) (laughs) but this is this is the great thing about like Lower Decks though where it creates these wonderful characters for a scene that we would be happy to see again and then we're never going to see them again gone that's it used gone yeah we're never going to see Tendi's parents we're probably never going to see Ingrita or the madam of the club but then it still works it's really 
fun. And that's kind of not Star Trek, isn't it? Like, Star Trek is very much about you get a character for a whole episode, but you don't really introduce too many new people. Yes. You know, that it, it was you very much like, occasional... oh, when... Yeah. That, that character is very involved in the episode they're in, rather than just being, oh, a person, you know, for a scene, you know? Oh, apparently there was a movie called Sirens. There we go. Okay, cool. Okay, okay, yep. Uh, and then we're back. We're back on the bridge. Uh, the captain is talking to a Chalnoth captain. Have we ever seen this race before? Not as far as I'm aware. Yeah. I mean, I could be wrong. You know, Goodwill is the encyclopedia. I am yeah. like, you know, I've got some knowledge. But do be about him because he he'll be like, oh, they're off this iteration of the video game when you go on this particular mission on Star Trek Online. I'm it, like, the, okay. it rings a bell. So when mm. I was watching it, it rang a bell, and I'm sure at some point I'm going to be sat there and go, oh yeah. <laughs> um, but but not not to my knowledge, it wasn't like in my head instantly being there from such and such. Yeah. Um, if I had to put money on it, they were probably in Voyager, the, the kind of race that you. But then obviously Voyager was all like. They're in the Delta Quadrant. Delta Quadrant, so, mm. yeah. The, the, the thing I find is they're a big, massive ginger beast kind of thing, which looks really like, it looks like Brack from Space Ghost. Do you know <laughs> who actually... I mean with that? Like, it's that that's the vibe that I got from it. Just this sort of like, and obviously not as dumb as Brack, but, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I, I thought that was quite good. But it was like, but yeah, but basically they're both... Very angry to... ginger, big beast. Very yeah, angry, I, I, yeah. Angry big beast. But yeah, so uh, the, the situation is, is that the ship is trying to scan a particular, it's like a vanishing nebula. It's like a nebula yes. that only appears once and then it vanishes. Once in a lifetime for them. That's yeah. what she says, once in a lifetime opportunity to scan this nebula. And he's like, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're refusing to let them scan it kind of thing. So what the captain decides is that they need to find some common ground. And Boimler and Rutherford get to the get to the uh the, i love the boimless so much <laughs> I, and they go oh we've got a solution to this of like and then it cuts to the alien dressed as mark twain on the holodeck with the massive white hair <laughs> and the southern suit and then it pans out and captain freeman is also dressed as mark twain uh, the, the, and they're sitting there so and they're <laughs> you know and you're just like how did this situation get to this point Without someone saying this was a shit idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do say. Yeah, that's it. I why like, am like, I wearing this itchy wig? <laughs> yeah, that's it. He's just like, why am I wearing this witchy hair, hair hat? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and Boimler and Rutherford think that maybe it's not working because they're not speaking in a Spanish, in, in a Southern <laughs> accent. And yeah, so you should definitely watch this episode. Watch this scene. It's very, very funny. Uh, and it basically ends exactly how we expect it to end, which is with the Chalnoff basically tearing off the outfit and smashing everything in the room. Massive temper tantrum. Yeah. But then <laughs> Boimler mentions that, uh, you know, that he needs... what what I don't know what the context is, but basically it goes south uh, and Boimler mentions his bonsai tree. And then the Chalnoff captain is immediately like, what is bonsai? And then it cuts away. Uh, yeah, well... Back on Orion, we're in the ship graveyard now, uh, and Tendi Tendi confesses to them that she's been trained as an assassin, 
and all of them are just nonplussed. They're just like, yeah, we we kind of got that. You know, like that's not really <laughs> yeah. a surprise. Like I think Mariner says, yeah, you can't just say you're joking around when you kick flip a knife out of the air. <laughs> Yeah, well, I quite like that she's coming out the other way. So she's basically, rather than coming out to say she's an assassin, it's the fact that she had to come out to her parents and say, I don't want to be a pirate captain assassin. I want to be a science nerd. (laughs) I mean, if there's not an irony there, I don't know what it is. No, please don't don't make me be a super assassin pirate. (laughs) No, I want to do science. I'm so annoyed that I had to train as an assassin for years and stuff. (laughs) I just want to do science. Uh, All these ninja skills are wasted. (laughs) That's it. And I think it's quite fun that it's like the opposite, where she's come out as a nerd. Uh, And then, you know, her friends accept her, but then... uh, Yeah, but then her sister appears, uh, Dierica, and basically it all comes out that she's accusing Tendi of abandoning abandoning her family and that she staged the kidnapping in order to get Tendi to come to the planet to save her so that they could have a showdown effectively in time for the wedding yes uh, yeah it's a very interesting scene i think you know <laughs> and uh what is it what happens next yeah yeah i, I quite like talin is still making her notes where she basically goes interesting orion solved disputes through violence <laughs> and tendy's desperately trying to trying to say you know not all orions like trying to make this whole like no we're not all ninja pirates but then like, Dylan is literally witnessing everything that suggests that they're all crazy ninja pirates. Just all crazy ninja pirates. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I think I think the best thing is that uh, Dierica immediately throws a knife at uh, Tendi. She dodges out of the way. It bounces off the wall. And guess where it goes? Into Mariner's shoulder. <laughs> Marina actually actively hides though when she sees the knife quote. She goes, Oh hell no. And she hides yeah. and it still ends up in the same spot. And she's like, Oh man. Nobody's bothered about like Marina just getting stabbed multiple times. But yeah. Three times, one shot. So the, yeah, um, all back on the ship, the alien has discovered the bonsai tree and he's absolutely in love with it. So he promptly eats it and then drinks the water from the misting bottle. <laughs> And they basically just storms off being like, okay, you may you may inspect the nebula, but pray I don't change my mind. Which is the most jokily generic, like Star Trek, like Star Trek, <laughs> like alien race thing. Like we're used to it with Klingons, we've got it with like Ryans, we've got it with like the Chalnoff. Yeah. I like it. So yeah, so they actually they resolve that, but obviously uh, Boimler and Rutherford are very annoyed that their bonsai tree has been eaten. <laughs> I remember I remember when I was a kid my mum got a bonsai tree and I don't know if she bought it or if it was a gift but it lasted like a month like wow we did not have the effort to do it do you have one yes and it is looking very sorry for itself like it has been eaten let's put it that way (laughs) that's not gonna feed a full child off (laughs) no (laughs) that's it we're not getting to scan that nebula anytime soon. No, you don't <laughs> want to scan nebulas, though. All right, okay. Um, what's next? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so basically, um, back on Orion, the girls are fighting. They're having this crazy ninja assassin fight. 
and whatnot. Dierica is accusing Tendi of abandoning her family. And it kind of all comes out like this sort of sister to sister sort of um, like argument of basically when Tendi abandoned her duties as the prime of the family, as like the head of the family, effectively, as the oldest daughter, uh, all of it fell to her younger sister so that she had to become the crazy assassin. She had to become like, you know, the the main crime giver i don't know what you call it but the main <laughs> um, crime lord of the family main, main crime lord of the family main pirate and assassin of the family yeah. what a shame <laughs> but that's it and and, and tendy you know and he's just like tendy's just like you know like oh i thought you'd be happy with that and she's like yeah of course i am I'm, i wanted to be the assassin like i like the him. way uh cult leaders said everything this sounds so bizarre Honestly, we're trying to explain it. It's never going to sound anything but bizarre. <laughs> the, the, whole, the whole point of us doing Trekking Up North is to show how excited we are for these, how amazing these episodes are, and why everyone should be watching fucking Lower Decks. Even, Absolutely. The, the Except joy your child. With Lower Decks. <laughs> no, let your child watch it. Just, you know, you don't, like, you don't need to be a good parent, Perky. You know, like, there's no rules. You don't have to be a good parent. Like, well, social services, but fuck it. You know, get another one. Yeah. <laughs> Live your life, make, mis make mistakes. <laughs> I'm probably, it's probably good that I haven't been able to have kids because I'm like, no, oh, oh well, need a backup. <laughs> Wasn't a school going, I watched a program with my mum and uh, it, they got a batlet stuck in their leg. What? <laughs> <They got> throw <laughs> knives at things. I remember being in school and like some of the stuff I'd come out with and the teachers were like, I mean, it was before they were like, before they had social services on speed dial. But back in the day, I was just like, yeah, I shouldn't have really gone in English class and written a story about the movie Predator at nine. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I might have said on my, uh, this is, I think this was junior school back in the day of sort of, what, what do you want for Christmas? And I think a Chucky doll was not the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, this is probably more of a Monsters Up North, but apparently there's an amazing Arrow DVD collection, Blu-ray collection for oh, yeah. uh, for Chucky, uh, what they call Child's Play. My brother's already put it on his Christmas list, but it's all the movies in this massive fold-out box and stuff. So that's wow! Really ah! yeah. No oh. idea how much it is, though. It's, it, it feels like one of those ones where they're like, this is £200. But yeah. uh, either, either nerdy up north, uh, either another parent or another kid, probably another parent. At this point. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Paul has Paul has literally just sent me the film he was talking about before we got started, which is what they're doing on Sunday, which is like because they're 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 starting the horror season on Nerdy Up North with right. shark movies, which I didn't believe was a horror thing, but he just sent me a poster for Shark Side of the Moon, which is an <laughs> a, a sharks in space horror movie that I need to see now. Now that they I, the poster makes me want to see this. So, yes, everyone needs to tune in at half seven on Sunday, I believe it is, for that. But we'll do all of that I, at the end. I feel I feel like I desperately need to say that. Yeah, that, it sounds glad. Anyway, back on track. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, so basically, speedy, speedy. Basically, they resolve their... <laughs> They, res they resolve their dispute because basically they, uh, Tendi basically explains that she didn't abandon her because she knew that she could do the job. She knew that she could be the head of the family. And they basically, yeah, they resolve their differences. And then they go, okay, cool. Let's go to this wedding then. And then they realize they don't have enough time to get to the wedding. So Tendi uses her science skills to hotwire 
<laughs> a stolen ship. Which is, you know, she's been trying to point out how she's not a badass pirate. And then she's like, okay, let's just hot wire and steal a ship. Ship. It's and fine. then fly that. Uh, when, and then basically the next scene is that they basically are flying to get to the wedding. Uh, Talyn is making all of her notes and whatnot about like to report back to Starfleet about what she has found out about the Orions being on this trip. Uh, and Tendi's basically going, could you could you leave some of the stabbings out of your report, please? <laughs> and and yeah, Talyn, yeah maybe, maybe don't mention all of the bad stuff, even though it's all been bad stuff. Yeah, and Talyn responds by actually just uh, throwing the pad out the window and basically <laughs> saying, oh, well, the Orions will have to remain a mystery, which I think... I think it's very cool of her because she's she doesn't have emotion because she's Vulcan, uh, but she's very much, uh, you know, like she's got a heart, and I think that's quite good. But yeah, naturally, we then cut to the we, the the ship starts to crash; they lose control of it, and then basically it cuts to the wedding, and then the ship just crashes in the distance. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just the most pirate thing in the whole world, like space road. And then basically they turn up; they're all sort of like you know, torn clothing and whatnot. Uh, they turn up and they're just like, sorry, have to steal a ship. <laughs> <And> then... <laughs> sorry, everybody. That'll do. That'll do. Yeah. And then basically they get to the wedding. Uh, they get to the wedding. They go through the wedding. The sister gets married. The groom is hot. The groom is actually pretty hot. He's got a goatee going on. He's got lots of hair. Right. I thought he's all right. He's a bit too green for me, but I'm, you know, space xenophobic, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I thought yeah. you weren't that fussy. Ah, not anymore. <laughs> not at my age. You take what you can get, really, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Buy me a drink and a packet of quavers. I'm yours. <laughs> greenest. Greenest. <laughs> I'm a greenest. But yeah. Uh, yeah, and then finally that, that whole plot line is resolved. And then on the ship, uh, Boimler is annoyed that he missed the whole thing. Like, all of this stuff, he's been fighting over bonsais and dressing up as Mark Twain, and he missed basically going to a pirate planet <laughs> and doing pirate missions uh, and whatnot. And then, but then they find out that they can't get mad about anything anymore because they found a new way of resolving their differences. And then it cuts to them on the holodeck, both dressed like Mozart playing harpsichords and it's just <laughs> it was just bonkers i'm just I saying mean... this knowing how confused paul is going to be you know by <laughs> everything that happens in this episode so basically i think this is to be brash and this is probably one of the best lower decks episodes i've watched i think mm. i have not laughed so much and even talking through it we've taken such a long time to talk through it because it was so in-depth so clever, so funny, um, and just so unbelievably, like, so many little Easter eggs for, like, hardcore fans. Great story, yeah. great characters, like, that you'll never see again. Or we might see, like, in three seasons' time if it's still running. And then we'll be like, oh, yeah. Well, and that. also it's added to the law. Like, it's this idea yeah. of, you know, all this stuff that they added in, like, moan heads and, like, uh, murder bug stuff and the clubs and whatnot. And all the stuff that they were saying, like, what do they call Tendi? They call the mistress of the... Mistress, mistress of, of the, the winter, 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 winter yeah. constellations, yes. All of that is new law that we're getting in about the Orions and Trek. Yeah. And Lower Decks has done a silly comedy episode, but that literally like strange new worlds and everything can just be like oh yeah that's a thing now oh yeah there's moon dungeons oh you know and and that's the wonderful thing about it, it builds 
you know, obviously it does it silly sometimes where it now has a space koala, which exists in canon. Which I don't <laughs> think Discovery will use that, but maybe. <laughs> but, you know, but it's there. It's there to play around with, I guess. But yeah. Uh, okay. But that that was the that was the episode, and it was called something borrowed, something green, and yeah, I really liked it, and I didn't think, yeah, I, I, I really it. enjoyed it. I right. loved it, and I do think it's one of my favorites, a hundred percent. That's it. I, I mean, couldn't name my favorites of Lower Decks. There's so many. It's just so funny. <laughs> it's just so funny yeah. in so okay. many ways. Now the next episode we have is quite good because, like, it's an episode centered around Talin. And I don't think we've had an episode about Talyn yet because no. they were, they're one of these weird characters where they're basically a Vulcan who's serving on the uh, USS Cerritos, which is the main ship that the crew for Lower Decks are part of. But it's interesting because they are very much, they're a typical Vulcan. And it's always good in Star Trek when we get actual Vulcans because a lot of the time we get ones that don't act the way they should and whatnot. But when we get ones like T'Pol from Enterprise, yes. like Tuvok from... Um, uh, Voyager, it's I had to struggle there. Yeah, two from uh, Voyager, not two Vix because fuck him. Um, two Vix, I knew that was coming. I could have <laughs> waited, could have waited for that. Rest in peace, two Vix. Um, don't talk about two Vix. <laughs> so Jane will get you in your in your sleep. But yeah, <laughs> but no. So it's a great episode about about them, and it's it's wonderful because what we get is this wonderful mashup between two races that I don't think we've had any interaction with in Star Trek before, but that really should have interaction together, which yes. is basically the Betazoids and the Vulcans. And that's basically what this episode is about. So should we do this the same as the previous one where we're like going scene by scene or should we just talk generally? Let's go scene by scene, but I think okay. we will find that this one we will go through a lot quicker anyway, okay. because it wasn't as in depth. I didn't feel this episode was in depth. It was very clever. Yeah. But I don't think scene by scene, it had as much volume per mm. scene. I think, you know, all very seamlessly flowed. Um, yeah. I mean, my notes on the other one were quite in depth, whereas this one, I've got just a few things because I was kind of like very taken in with it. And again, like mm. you said, to see to Lynn and to get her story, because there wasn't that much background. She just popped up and then to get her background, you know, yeah. knowing she's a Vulcan high command officer who's been apparently not Vulcan enough. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, and I always think that's quite funny because she is so cold. She is so cold to everyone. She is the perfect Vulcan uh, to us. Tap water. And then... Tap water. Room temperature. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like we got in Strange New Worlds where you had like, where they were talking about how, uh, you know, when Spock was with the Admiral and, yes. you know, it was like, oh, you can tell they don't like each other. And they're just like literally sitting, chatting to each other normally. And then... So, you know, someone can just like you would never pick up that there was problems there. But it, it's basically it's basically like that. But yeah, so this this episode is called Empathological Fallacies. Yes. Which bizarrely Amazon have spelt incorrectly. They spelt pathological wrong on it. So it's a bit odd. So I've seen some of the episodes going around on the internet where people are like uh, doing what we're doing, and they've spelt it the way it is on the episode, but then not how the word would be spelt, and then it's spelt differently on the actual text of the episode that comes up. Yeah, right. it's a weird one. Someone at Amazon... Only you would basically. spot that, honey. Only you I'm, would spot that. Yeah. This is this is the thing. I'm so OCD about, like, spelling and grammar and stuff like that. 
But yeah. Oh, I'm I'm dyslexic, so it doesn't make any difference to me. You could put letters the wrong way around. <laughs> I'm still going to read it the same way. It's fine. <laughs> That's it. I'm the same in numbers, I think. But yeah, okay. But she's basically start off with Tulane. She's writing a report to Captain Sokol of her previous ship, the the Cheval. Yeah, I think. It's Cheval. Yeah. It's not in my notes. I, Ooh. Yeah, but basically, it's you know the narrative is carried by her sending this report, and there the Suitos is carrying three Betazoid diplomats who are blatantly based off one of our favorite characters and one of the greatest villains of Trek, Luxana Troy, which yes. is Troy's mother, who is an incidental villain. Like they're not like Kai Win, they're not like Wayun or Dukat, they're not like sort of, uh, you know whoever the villains in Voyager are. <laughs> Seska? Yeah, not like Seska. There's other All one. of them. Yeah. The, the guys... Janeway! Janeway! <laughs> Back to two mix. Uh, okay. But yeah, no, she's... And the whole point is that effectively it's how dangerous a middle-aged woman can be. <laughs> Which anyone that who, who has met one in the wild uh, will know this. But, you know... The, the fact that, like, all like it, it was also almost a bit cheeky. Every time there was a Luxana Troy episode, it was basically something would go wrong. So she'd come yeah. on the ship and she'd fuck something up somehow, or she'd have like you know the and the this episode very much plays on an episode of TNG where yes. well, and Deep Space Nine. Yeah, both of, actually both of them. Yeah, but basically, yeah. Uh, when she arrives on yeah, so basically episodes where Betazoids are psychic. So they are telepaths, they can read people's minds, but then also as they get older, they can start to actually sort of influence people's minds, even unintentionally. So we get episodes of TNG and DS9 where basically Luxana turns up and then everyone around them starts going crazy because yes. she's having an emotional breakdown or, you know, a very difficult time. Zanthi fever. Well, yeah, exactly. It's got a term called Zanthi fever, which is... I kind of like the menopause, I guess. Like the way yes. the way they talk about it is they basically go, oh, it's something we don't really like to talk about, but older, you know, Betazoid women have it and whatnot. Basically, but, uh, like a bit of Garth Marenghi vibes going on where everything starts going a bit wonky and crazy around everything, yeah. Oh, I'm a woman. I hope that's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was telling I was telling my mate Mick about Garth Marenghi and he'd never seen any of it. And I showed him a clip and he was just like, What is this? Like, you know. <laughs> And I, I actually had to explain that it's not a real show from the 70s or 80s. You know, it's deliberately it's done that because he, he thought that it was like a real thing. And then obviously he sees Matt Berry and, you know, and I'm like, oh, OK, yeah. He's like, OK, it, it's fake. All, all I remember is that episode. And I think it was pork pie and soup and monkey masks. I can't remember now. Very strange time in my life. Goth Marenghi, man. <laughs> but yes. Goth Marenghi. Uh, we're totally going all around the houses here. But yeah. Uh, but basically, they're, they've got these Betazoid diplomats and they're all dressed to the nines, like massive hair, massive dresses, very much based on Luxana Troy, uh, who is the archetype for Betazoid diplomats, essentially. Uh, they've basically been partying on another planet called Angel One, and now they're off to Riser, and this Cerritos is basically carrying them there because, because all of these ships have gone missing, like we saw at the beginning of the other previous episodes. Uh, diplomats are being carefully handled. So basically they're on a secret mission to take them to Riser and protect them. 
Uh, and well, the funny wasn't thing Angel is, One the one that was in next? Sorry to interrupt. Wasn't Angel yeah. One the one that was Next Generation that had the women as the leaders as well, which also kind of ties into the last episode? Was it? I think it's so. That the episode, Google... the one where we get Riker wearing the weird. Yeah, slit. yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure oh, it was. Yeah. I'll have to double check. I, I didn't look it into it. I'm sure it is. Go on. So I, they're I on their way like to Riser. Yeah. They're on the way to Riser. Uh, yeah, and. Uh, yeah, and I love that literally they're just basically party girls. They're just like literally they've got those, what are those called? Those plastic, um, you know, they're the massive like, what is it? Foot long plastic sort of uh, cocktail glasses that you see people with at parties. <laughs> Ta-da! Yeah, where it's like literally like this big or whatever. And it's just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they've got them because they're basically sort of like, it's what's that thing they have in America? Like spring break? Yes. They're basically diplomats, but they're acting like they're on Spring Blake. Spring Blake, basically. Uh, and obviously, Talyn is not enjoying this because she doesn't like rowdy people. She just likes calm Vulcan, you know, stuff. She's where and I'm she's at now to throw in life, them yeah. around. <laughs> Why are they doing this? I'm just laughing in chat that Joe Borders put, oh boy, I hope they address Ransom Chisel ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, this is the best thing where basically, like, the fact... The fact that in the, there. the next bit that we get is that they're all like flirting with everyone, and what one of them basically puts their glass between Ransom's very chiselled ass. <laughs> so we basically get to see his buns wrapped around this, and she immediately like flirts with him, and he responds well, as in, "Oh, I get off at this time," and she's just like, "Oh, I only like them when they're hard to get." <laughs> He's like, I can be, I can be so, I can be yeah. hard to get. He, well, I think he says like, he says like, no, give me one more chance. I can be distant and unavailable. <laughs> but, which is yet again playing on Picard, basically. Well, both Picard and Odo turning down uh, yeah. Laksana's advances in every single Star Trek yes. episode. Yes. Which is just how they do things, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah, uh, basically, Talyn gets landed, get, going to get them drink refills. And then, yeah, and she adds to her report how bad a situation is. So in, in sick, we change the sick bay and we see... Now, I like this. We picked a uh, sick bay with Tiana, who was, who's the, basically the cat. Catoid? What's their race called? I love her. I, I, I couldn't tell you their race. I feel so bad because I'm normally so on yeah. the ball with all of this. I think it's Cation later, so I assume she's a Cation, but yeah. Love her. She's incredible. What a character. What a character. Well, it, it basically, it's as if you just got like, oh, what was her name? She was one of my favourites. Um, The one who took over from Crusher in season two with Plansky. Next Gen. Plansky, yeah. I re- I'm a big fan of Plansky because she's basically the female bones. She's basically yes. just no nonsense, very scientifically minded. And Tiana is basically, if you turned bones and Pulaski into a foul-mouthed cat is basically what this character is. So she's constantly swearing. She has more beeps over her words than any other cast member. But don't cover our words, just after. Well, yeah, basically you can blatantly tell that she's still saying fuck, but they sort of put a bleep (laughs) in there just out of courtesy, I guess. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I like, though, in the back of this scene, there's a nurse wandering around wearing a Geordie LaForge visor. Yes. Like wearing one of them. <laughs> I was just like, ah, that's great. I love that as a little reference. But yeah. Uh, and then Tiana jokes that the uh, Betazoids are a buffet because apparently her race, the Cations, used to eat 
beta and used to hunt and eat betazoids, which is a weird bit of lore that they're just sliding into canon there. But you know, like, wow, yes, tasty. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And they're just like, and then and then they joke that that doesn't happen anymore. And then it just got this little side shot of Chana being like, <laughs> <laughs> just synthetic betazoid now. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> But it is just this kind of like, what the fuck is this? Like, they're a doctor who's a cat who eats betazoids. And yeah, Lower Decks is wild. I love it. But yeah, uh, basically, they decide that they're actually just going to head to the bar and Talyn arrives with the drinks and they're like, oh, we don't need them anymore kind of thing. <laughs> but then Tiana grabs one of the, the drinks and just downs it and then goes, right, time to do surgery. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Which I, I I think is very fun. It's just that the whole situation of this episode is nuts. It, they're just are nuts, and they, this is the the deep comedy that they have. It's quite dark if you think about it. It's a really dark humor sense. You know the series. Yeah, that's it. Oh, Joe Board is saying, "What's the word when somebody is prejudiced against androids?" Uh, I I think it's luddite, but you're suggesting pre-droidist. 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 Yeah. Maybe a pre-droid file. Pre, pre-droid file? Mm. I mean, yeah, just uh, yeah, on, on the edge there. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere around there. I could feel the money seeping away. <laughs> the del- demonetized. But yeah. We're so getting fired by the end of this. this we is, are. We're, this we're just this, like good this will be my last, last time, yeah. <laughs> lovely, lovely talking to you all. Yeah. Basically... <laughs> Uh, then we cut to Talyn in her quarters. And this is a bit like, I thought this was going to be a big like reveal. Like, you know, like I thought this was a bit of a reveal where basically she's finishing a report uh, to the Cheval. And she's basically saying she how being on the Cerritos and being in Lower Decks is actually a punishment for her. Because yes. she's been kicked off her crew and been sent here because they knew that being amongst this crew, a crew, crew this crazy would be a nightmare for her. And it is. So yeah. But then she's try, <laughs> trying to send she's trying to send the message saying, Hey, please like, you know, take me back. I've learned my lesson, you know, like I can't be amongst this crazy crew anymore. Uh, and the message won't send. And then Mariner turns up and goes, Oh yeah, because we're top security and whatnot, all the communications are turned off while the betazoids are here until we get to Riser. Uh yeah, but she keeps trying to send the message. Oh, hang on. Again, Paul's just like, and it is. It is your last episode, both of you. Yes. Goodbye, everybody. And so, Thank you for having oh, us. Oh, now I can go on GB News and complain about how I'm being persecuted. Oh. <laughs> I love that how he has it. Well, I have all these absolute wankers who are just like, oh, I said something horrendously racist and then people cancelled me. There's no freedom of speech anymore. And he's just like, have you tried shutting up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you tried not? <laughs> we just tried yeah. not. But then we just had it the, the other day where GB News had to apologise for one of their presenters because they were just like, oh, he went too far. And you're like, oh, so there is a line then. <laughs> There's a line on what is... But yeah, anyway. Oh, and it is. Oh, and Star Trek. Oh. <laughs> oh, and Star Trek. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. It's so, a bit weird. So basically, they're trying to get everyone to this party that they're having. So basically, the Betazoids are hosting a massive party in the bar, or I think it's like their rest. What the the what's it called? The where you eat on a ship. Um, 
Mess hall. Mess hall, that's it. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. They're all there. Uh, and in Boimler's quarters, he's trying to get... He's bizarrely trying to remember every single... He's using his downtime to try and memorize every single member of the crew's name, which is a bit bizarre. So he's going through them and getting annoyed when he can't remember any particular people. Uh, and Rutherford is trying to convince him to come down to the party, but he won't until he's actually mastered every crew member's name. Uh, so Rutherford basically just goes, oh, okay. And then he contacts the security, the Bajoran security officer, Shax, like their chief of security. Uh, and it goes mysterious. It does that film thing where basically it darkens over his face. And Rutherford is just like going, I found a candidate for the program. <laughs> it makes it sound super suspicious, but we know it's going to be something fucking dumb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, finally, Talin yeah. has given up on trying to send her message, uh, her message to the ship. So basically, she goes to the party. We see a lot of crazy stuff going on in the background. Uh, we see the counselor, who is a giant bird, and I can never remember his name. Do you know his? Do you remember his name? No. Yeah, big. Uh, we need, we good, need, goodwill, we need goodwill so bad because yeah, that's it. We are doomed without goodwill. But yeah, but basically, he is a very funny character because he's just an absolute dickhead who doesn't know how to do his job properly but then is still there all the time. And anyone who has worked in an office environment will know this person. So it's... <laughs> Somehow still hanging on. But Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Why? How the fuck? But I, I quite like it, though, that he seems to be getting... Everyone seems to be getting a hyper-emotional in this situation because he's arguing with the replicator because the, the replicated soup he's eating doesn't even taste like it's regurgitated. He's... <laughs> So, so he throws back the because he's a bird. So he throws back the plate of the replicator. He's like, "This soup doesn't even taste like it's been in my mother's mouth." It's just, it's so random and so wrong at the same time. It's so yeah. accurate with invader yeah. bird. Imagine someone <laughs> having to program the replicator to make it taste like it had your mum's saliva in it. It's just. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, it's just messed up. But yeah, but he's getting oddly emotional about that. Uh, everyone else, Tendi, Marin and Rutherford, they're all drunk and swearing. Uh, but then Talin is basically asking when the communications blackout is going to end so she can send this message. And she actually notices that everyone's more crazy than usual. And even, even Captain Freeman, who's usually uh, the voice of reason, is incredibly emotional. Uh, even getting on the bar and ordering everyone to calm down. Uh, and everyone just ignores her. Everyone just ignores her and just gets on with the party. But it, it does this whole thing because as fans, this is what I'd be interested to see a non-fan talk about this episode because this weighs more heavily on, oh, you should know this to get the joke. You should know that this is what this is referencing. And I wonder if an outsider would be like, don't have a clue what's going on there. But basically, uh, we have it where, uh, you know, ev everyone's talking about, oh, well, something must be affecting people. And then it pans out to show the Betazoids. And it's like going, mm, you know, but mm -hmm. yeah. Because we've had it before. We've had it on DS9. We've had it on TNG. Betazoids are trouble, basically. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, well, psych psychic middle-aged Betazoid women are trouble, as we found. But yeah. I, I just think that's all species of women. Yeah. <laughs> of that age group <laughs> you're, you're saying it i'm not i'm not saying it. yeah sorry everybody but you know 
I am of that age group, and I am of that. I am of that gender. <laughs> we, we, then, we then cut to Shax and Boimler, uh, who are in an isolated part of the ship, and it's all very mysterious what the secret mission is, the the program that uh, security have got Boimler on. Uh, and Boimler <laughs> asks what he might be there to learn, and he asks like, "Sunkase? Well, is that a thing? Is that?" Sunkase. Mm. is that I kind of wonder if that's like some kind of Bajoran martial art. Like I wonder if it's just a throwaway line from DS9 or something. It's gotta but, be. It's it, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's a real life. Any, anyone in the chat, do you know what Tunkase is? Or could you Google it so we Can don't somebody Google it? Because yeah, Google it. Google Google Tunkase. Using Google. Alpha memory. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Memory alpha. There we go. Memory that's beta the one. and all that. But yeah. Uh, and then basically. He thinks it's going to be this big, dramatic, super like security thing. And then a door bushes open and then there's someone there from the security team reading out a, po a poem about Worf, about <laughs> Worf's upbringing while dancing around the room. <laughs> and Shax just leans into Boyman and he's just like, hope you can handle some slam, po slam poetry, Lieutenant. <laughs> and it's just the idea of the, the badasses of the crew and they're doing slam poetry. It's just... It's the truth. This is what happens. <laughs> Just when you think somebody's all cool and that, you end up in a room with them and they end up doing the slam poetry or with a pair of bongos. It's, it's true. This is the crazy thing. This is the crazy thing about like roadies and about security guys. Like, well, you, you know, Tiny, Tiny, who does like yes. all of the stage management and stuff and all of the, uh, like, you know, he literally, his job is getting up very early in the morning and putting all the stages together for festivals and like the arena and stuff like that. And yeah, I, he was he was there at Lindisfarne when we were doing the main stage at Lindisfarne. Uh, I went, you know, I was like, came off the stage and like Tiny's just sitting there having a nap because he, you know. <laughs> On this like sofa in a tent in the middle of like a field, and I was just like, oh yeah, you know. But yeah, anyway. I remember, anyway. I remember being at some of the festivals I used to work, and mm. you would be, you'd be editing your photos backstage, and then yeah. somebody you know would know would come off, and you'd be expecting to be super hardcore, and they'd be like, oh yeah, let's have a party. They'd come off and they'd go, has anybody got a cuppa? <laughs> I've got me slippers in the back in the back of the truck you know can, can somebody go and get them for us because I'm knackered <laughs> this is the thing and it is and you kind of this is what we're saying about it's like the previous episode with the Orion Syndicate where you kind of like she's trying to she's doing the opposite where she's trying to say no no they're not that cool and then we find out that they actually are that cool so it's like the the, the that turning that on its head <laughs> but yeah but uh, yeah, so basically they're doing poetry for the security team. Oh, uh, oh look in the chat. Look in the chat, Tiny. Hey, is it Tiny? <laughs> Someone actually brought Tiny around. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it was so good seeing you at Linda's run. Sorry, Joe, but about it. I don't think me and, me and Graham would be able to spell it either. My apologies when I'm reading the yeah, chat. I, I can't know. spell it. I think the subtitles came up with T-S-U-N-K-A-S-A-Y. But yeah, but no, Tiny is very much the person that I expect being like this big, like hunk of a man, like tough as nails and just being like, oh, I'll just get my knitting done. You know, it's just getting out his knitting and stuff and just sitting doing that. Just, nice cardi oh, right here. Yeah, I'll do a little yeah. cardi, yeah. You know, and it's and you totally don't expect it. And that's exactly what this episode does with the security team, where it kind of shows that they actually, they have a lovely softer side. Uh, what, where are we now? Okay, cool, yeah. Um, Basically, uh, 
back back in the the mess hall, basically. Yes. And Talin's pointing out that the beta zoids might be the problem, and then mentions what you mentioned earlier, Xanfi fever. Yes. Xanfi. Xanfi fever. Yeah. Xanfi. Mm, that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> and it affects beta zoids of their age. Uh, in so basically convinces the beta zoids to come with them to sick bay, sick bay, and Tiana like scans all of them, uh, but. There's nothing wrong. There's no sign of actual Xanfi fever on them and stuff. And they're also taking umbrage because they're not old enough to be to have Xanfi fever because it only <laughs> affects middle age. How aged. dare you? <laughs> How old do you think I am? How dare you? <laughs> but that's it. But basically, they just go, oh, you know, like Talin is. I I love how perfectly Vulcan they are. That they are fully logical. Where they just go, oh. Oh, it wasn't Xanfi fever. Okay, then they must be innocent. And, you know, and rather than holding on to it and stuff, whereas the captain is the opposite. The captain is the opposite and going, no, it must be you. It must be these Betazoids. They're the only thing that we've added to the ship before all this craziness started. Uh, and then we get the weirdest twist of the episode that I wasn't expecting, which is that it turns out that actually the Betazoid delegates are actually ninjas. They're basically Secret <laughs> Service agents. So they, they so they pull off their skirts, their long skirts, they get their lipsticks out, and then the lipsticks extend into like taser rods, what are they called, like uh electric batons. Yes. Yeah, which is really surreal. And then they do loads of ninja moves, uh, they beat everyone up and take them out. Uh Talin puts up a fight because obviously she's a Vulcan, so she knows like uh close I was gonna say Mortal Kombat, she probably knows, but you know. <laughs> Finish him. <laughs> Finish him. Model combat. But um, yeah. So basically, puts up a fight, but they eventually take her out and whatnot, and then they take the captain hostage. <laughs> Which is, it's a very surreal scene because it even goes, it goes a bit Sailor Moon, where they just sort of pull off their skirts, they get these like lipstick, like you know, things out. Hold on, so lipstick kosh. See, this is the thing, Paul, like Nerdy Up North, it is very much why are there so many ninjas in two episodes, but I'm here for it. I'm here for ninja fight. Ah, right, okay, Joe Border's got it. Tsunkatsu is the episode of Voyager where Seven fights the rock, so it must be the arena combat he wants to learn. Uh, see, this is Lower Deck. an obscure reference, referencing the one episode of Voyager that has this bizarre close combat style. <laughs> Done by The Rock, you know, when he was a guest star. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much, Joe Border. That is amazing. <laughs> That's so obscure. Okay. Yeah. But this is Lower Decks all the way through. Random, tiny, obscure. Like, I noticed the other day when the one where Boimler gets his room just to go back and he's, he walks in with a box and in it is the Tom Paris plate. Yeah. And I was like, there it is. Like, <laughs> there's just so many little random things. And the, the one where they were doing the next gen stretches. Yeah, yeah, all of that kind of thing. Unreal. So I mean, the next scene where we basically go back to security in their poet, poetry group. But they're doing charades now, and we've got what's his name? Hobold? Hobold? I mean yes. his name's I think his name's Hobold, but basically he is the oh what race is he? Um Goodwill will know. They're basically the guys who speak in Shaka. Yeah, they they speak in are they called Shaka? I can't remember the, the exact fell. name of them. I'm <laughs> doing terrible tonight when it goes Shaka when the walls fell. Yeah, that's it. But but it's the idea of where they speak in parabels, they speak in like 
examples rather than actual timber. I was waiting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really good because we had that. We recently had an episode with them in which was yes. quite good. No, actually, wait, no, season two. Anyway, it was very good. But yeah. Uh, I'm not very good at this. I, well, they... I'm supposed to be really good at this. You know, like all of the time I've spent in the Trekverse and I can't remember any of this right now. It's just, I'm... I find it really difficult to just yes. pull it out of the bag like Goodwill does, where Goodwill's yeah. just like, oh, I know all the names of the ships. And you're just like, you know, you are very good at this. But yeah, anyway. Uh, but yeah, they're doing, sh they're doing charades now. Uh, and it's quite bizarre because it's another DS9 reference, which is that he was doing a charade of Odo by pointing to a bucket, talking about jumping yes. into a bucket. And that's another reference to an episode of DS9 with Luxana, Troy and Odo, Odo, where he needs to transform back into his liquid form and she has to carry him in her dress effectively. Yes. Otherwise, he'll seep through the craft on the, you know, the holes in the lift, which is... You know that they are fully aware of this, putting an Odo reference in a, a yes. Troy episode, effectively. Yes. But yeah, but basically, um, the, uh, Boimler says that he's bored because he expected it to be crazy security stuff and tough guy things. Uh, and then, yeah, and then basically Shax just says, okay, you need to do the ritual. And he gets out this ritual box and he says, in here are two challenges and you must do one of them. And then he opens it up and it's a set of tarot cards <laughs> and, and an enterprise puzzle with Malcolm Reed on the cover, which is a wonderful <laughs> reference because Malcolm doesn't get mentioned enough because obviously we have the wonderful actor who appears on the Shufflepod show. We are big fans of him and it's nice to have a character that is sadly quite obscure because of Enterprise's, you know... You know, it's not as well known as the other series because it didn't get a full run and Malcolm Reed probably didn't get used as much as he could have done in it. So it's quite nice getting a bit of a nod to a character that in time, like with DS9, where we're all rewatching Enterprise yes. now and being like, it's not that bad. It's actually much better than I remember it. So, yeah, it's good to do that, but it's very obscure. And we see it later, but the tarot cards aren't normal tarot cards, are they? They're like Betazoid ones. They're, they're like, what's they called? Um, Bajoran ones. Yes, they're, from the, they're his, so the, the, the security officer who, yes, they're his yeah. Bajoran tarot cards, which is unusual because it's not something I would personally imagine the Bajorans having being such a religious race. Well, that's the thing. So I, I'm assuming they're Bajoran tarot cards. I mean, but that's a nice bit of law for the Bajorans, really, you know, that we're still getting stuff even after DS9 is finished. That is something I'm going to be researching later on. Let's see. Well, we can just we can just get Joe to Google it. Joe, 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 Joe Google, go, Google Joe, the tarot cards. It. Thanks, yeah. thanks. Right, okay. <laughs> professional, we're professional. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, okay, we're so, yeah. get, we're so getting fired. <laughs> no, we're, we're already fired we're just waiting for the the signal to cut off but yeah <laughs> but yeah um yeah uh basically in the we're in the lift we're going with with the betazoids they've taken the captain hostage and they reveal that they're from uh, the bia which is betazoid intelligence uh and basically the yeah, they get to the bridge. The captain attempts to fight back and orders the uh, takes out one of them and orders the bridge crew to attack them. But they're ninjas, so they basically just take out everyone uh, and re retake control of the ship. But then 
they're trying to chart a course back to beta Z, but to do it quickly, they have to do it through the neutral zone, which is the Romulan neutral zone, which is wow, one of wow. <laughs> could be seen as a TNG reference because it's yes. a massive factor in TNG, whereas the other series kind of don't give a shit about it. Well, no, actually, the neutral zone is important for the marquee and stuff in yes, things. hugely. But effectively, effectively, sort of, we only really get it mentioned in regards to the Romulans, uh, you know, in TNG. Joe says, all right, but I'm getting an ice cream sandwich after this. Oh, oh. <laughs> I would, I'm That's really, it. considering I'm meant to be streaming uh, video games after this, I really, I really, really, really want to just get pizza, but I can't, I couldn't get pizza. <laughs> We're pizza, doing a pizza, I'm, pizza, I'm pizza. doing press at a murder mystery evening tomorrow, uh, and we get dinner for it. We get a free course meal, so I'm just like, oh oh. so I maybe shouldn't have pizza when I'm having fancy meal tomorrow. So hmm. it's the weekend. Shh, it's the weekend. It doesn't count. I'm wearing oh, this amazing velvet dress as well, and I'm just terrified that I'm going to spill something on it. <laughs> like I'm wearing a very expensive velvet dress, and I'm just like going, if I spill wine on this, I'm fucked. <laughs> you know, it's like, is it red? No, it's the it's the green one. The green one. Yeah. Yeah, you so can. Yeah. Just to be red, enough. you could go with red wine. Just drink white wine. I'll I'll, I'll drink green wine. <laughs> I'll just drink like I'll just drink like like radioactive slop for the whole one, evening. Just get some blue Romulan ale. I'll be alright. There we It'll go, Romulan in. ale. It'll I be forgot fine. to mention that. I forgot to mention that at the party thing at the beginning. Uh, one of the Betazoid delegates has like a, a drinking cap. But with Romulan ale on on it, <laughs> it's so, just this weird thing. This dressed up woman just with this drinking hat on. I want I want a drinking hat. I don't <laughs> think I should be allowed a drinking hat. Not after the last debacle when I got drunk. Um. So Joe Border, who has saved our bacon several times, has wow. come back and said, "Tarot cards Abajoran. Well done, Graham. Um. And in the shot, you can see Cisco depicted in one of the cards as the Emirati. And the em- What was that again? The- Emissary. Okay, yeah. The the famous the the of the prophets. I haven't even had a gin yet. Good grief. <laughs> um yeah. So that is really cool. I thought they were really cool, but I, I want to know now where where tarot cards fit in with Bajoran culture because you would I can't imagine Kai Wynn ever endorsing anything like that at all, like even though she was evil as yeah. I think it's one of those things Thanks, where it's like, you know, it's, it's like with sort of anything where you just go, oh, well, the gods, are, the prophets are speaking to us through the cards, you know, like that's how they'll justify them, you know. But that, that is great that it's got a little Cisco reference in there as well. That's really good. But yeah, um, but, but, yeah. so basically the, the threat is that the ship, the, the, the crew is disabled. No one, they, there's a crazy party going on. So people aren't doing that. Security are unaware of all the problems because they're having this little party at the side and the ship is about to go into the neutral zone that means it'll probably start a war effectively against the Romulans and that's exactly what the Romulans want they want Starfleet to slip up any excuse basically but yeah we get a bizarre little scene where basically we have uh, Mariner and Mar- Mariner, Tiana and Talin are all tied up I don't know why they're tied up no, no, they're not. Yeah, no, they're they're tied up for some reason. I oh, I don't. Oh, yeah, because they the betazoids. 
Yeah, the Betazoids sort of beat them up and tied them up. Yes. Uh, everyone else is too distracted to help, so they're trying to make a human pyramid because they're all just gone nuts. <laughs> they're, they've all gone absolutely, like, emotionally nuts. The ultimate party of a century. They're all half naked and climbing on py py human pyramids. Yeah. And the at this point, the professor is still trying to take out the replicator machine <laughs> for not providing the correct yeah. sustenance. So um, everyone's emotions are just like up to like 400% basically. And it's, yeah, it's a bit scary. But um, yeah, uh, Tiana makes free, manages to free them because she's a cat. She has claws. She just tears through the ropes, but she's absolutely rabid and speeds off down the corridor screaming, Mama's going to eat well tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Referencing eating the Betazoids, which is just a surreal scene. Oh my God. And, I, I like it though because Mar Marin is just like we have to go after her. She took an oath not to eat eat, eat any patients. <laughs> I just love how surreal this is. But yeah, uh, now the, the the crazy thing is though, what they find next is they find a scanner that the doctor dropped that basically is scanning to Lynn and points out that actually she's the cause. She's the cause of all of the uh, psychic phenomenon that they're having and all of the emotional problems. Do you want to explain why this is? Yes, I don't mind. So obviously there's a Vulcan syndrome called Bendy syndrome. Not Bendy as in Bendy, as in yeah. Bendy syndrome, um, which is a reference to the um, Sarek. Um, so obviously it's very clever that they put that in. And obviously she is an emotional turmoil. She's still struggling with coming to terms with it. So, yes, it turns out that the little tricorder is picking up that our Talin has Bendy syndrome Which or is, Bendy and, syndrome. And this is the crazy thing, because obviously, like, with Betazoids, they're very flamboyant, they're very emotional. And so you kind of draw, you know, you kind of make the connection there, which is why we thought that the Betazoids were behind everything. But actually, it's the the most calm and collected person, the only person on the whole crew that still has their head screwed on correctly is the person doing this because <laughs> what Vulcans do is they defer their emotions. They don't, it's not that they don't have emotions, they just suppress them to the point where they can start pushing them out to other people yes. when they get stressed. And uh, yeah, and, and Bendai syndrome is basically when you get old, you can't actually control it anymore and you just end up sort of putting your fears and hopes and like you know worries and stuff and anxieties and spread it around to everyone because was wasn't it in strange new worlds where spot kind of explains that the vulcans actually have higher emotions and that's why they had to learn to tune them down because they feel more than most so therefore they, yeah. they can't let that control them because otherwise they'd just be absolutely off the rocker so in this case to Lynn, is, is kind of struggling with it. She suppressed yeah. it and suppressed it and suppressed it. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's the, the and, and I quite like it that we've recently had a Strange New Worlds episode about this where we had Spock yes. sort of trying to get a handle on his emotions and whatnot. And I think it's great that we're building Vulcan lore by taking the old stuff and then going, cool, we're going to build on this. Um, but yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So basically, yeah, we find out that actually Talin is 62. <laughs> <laughs> which is because oh, they yeah. live a very Thanks, long time yeah. but yeah yeah but it does have the line of like mariner being shocked that she's like 62 and then just being like oh we do we all do crazy stuff as we get older when boimler turned 25 he grew a mustache and it was sad and hilarious <laughs> <laughs> i just like the idea of describing something as sad and hilarious 
But yeah. <laughs> then uh, back on the bridge, uh, back, back on the bridge, uh, we have it where basically the Betazoid, uh, Freeman tricks the Betazoid leaders into reading her mind. And she actually shows them a bit earlier where one of them was actually talking shade about the leader. And yes. basically, you know, uh, talking smack about her. And then it starts this big telepathic argument between all of them. And then as they're distracted, Freeman is able to press the security alarm, which then immediately goes off in the poetry class with security. And this is right when Boimler's complaining that they're meant to be tough. They're meant to be these tough, hardened security officers. And here they're doing tarot and they're doing like um, poetry and they're doing charades and stuff. Yeah, and then and then immediately, as soon as the alarm goes off, they all leap into action. They all go full serious face, leap into action, hilariously, and then run off to go and like to go to the bridge. And we see Hobolt doing a Naruto run, doing the, <laughs> the famous Naruto run where he's got his hands, his arms directly behind his back, speeding along. <laughs> it's such a bizarre reference to put into it, and I don't know if it's like. Japanese ninja tradition to run like that or something, but it is just like, yeah. I see Mario it does it run. too, though. If you watch the Mario games where Mario runs, Mario runs like that as well. So it's an Italian thing as well. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, I've never seen Italian people do that. I was I was actually with someone the other day who could do the perfect Mario impression, no. and it was like, "Let's go!" And I was just like, "This is." Frightening. <laughs> just like, but he started saying non-Mario stuff in that voice. I was like, no, no, you, nope, you do horrible wind. stuff with Mario's <laughs> voice. <laughs> it's like, kill for me. Wah, wah, wah. He actually did the scream. He did the wow. <laughs> the other thing when he falls down something, and he did it perfectly. And I was just like, have you just been sitting there at home practicing a fucking Mario? <laughs> it was. I was just like, okay, that's it. Skill, yeah. Oh, skill. Anyway, anyway. Back um, on track again. Yeah, they get on track. Uh, well, yeah, okay. Now the problem is at the next scene is basically Tendi and the rest of the crew who are all sort of freaking out and stuff. They're all like crazy emotional. They're getting very angry. They're getting very distracted by everything. Uh, they find out that it's Talin causing the problems, and they basically chase after them. So Mariner and Talin hide in a hide in a cupboard. And uh, yeah, Talin, Talin uses a mind meld on Mariner to calm her emotions. Because yes. even though she's exuding all of this madness to everyone, she's still able to calm people directly, which is quite interesting, I think, to regulate her emotions. And Mariner goes, oh, this this being of pace thing's it's kind of, kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, because she's totally unfamiliar with it because she's a nutter. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, but Talin, Talin, and it's quite emotional actually, considering it's not emotional, and that's the whole point. But Talin confesses that she should be able to regulate her emotions better, and that she was preoccupied with the me the message sending all day, and she couldn't think about anything else, and that she was, and she confesses that she was sent to the Cerritos as punishment for being insubordinate and reckless. <laughs> and you're like, you can't imagine this character, but by Vulcan standards, apparently she's a tearaway. You know? She is insubordinate and reckless. Tap water. Room yeah. temperature. Room temperature. <laughs> Can you imagine just ordering that at a replicator? Tap water. Room temperature. It's, it's, hard, it's, it's hardly Next time coffee we're black. out. <laughs> yeah. Coffee black. 
Can I have a tap water room temperature, please? Oh, that's what I do, <laughs> though. I ask for water when I'm in clubs, because when I, when I get to the club, I'm like, I don't want to drink anymore. I'm bored. You know? <laughs> oh, I'm too old. But yeah, I'm too old now for this. <laughs> but uh, but I, I think the funniest thing is basically Talyn points out that the reason why she got treated as insubordinate is because she saved her crew when they were in danger by letting her instincts take over and she yes. saved everyone but then the captain described her behavior as damaged and illogical because you shouldn't be working by instinct you should be working by logic even though they would have all died which you know, okay. and it, it's quite good because it basically has like yeah mariner points out to her in the next scene basically just going like yeah so like that's totally illogical dying for the sake of Logic. You know, logic. Yeah, it's just it's illogical. And it, it's it's quite good because obviously Mariner Mariner tells Talyn she is one of the best Vulcans she's ever met and points out that is there anything more Vulcan than Bendai syndrome? Like, <laughs> it's something that only Vulcans get, and you're meant to get it way later in life. And Talyn's managed to get it like at a younger age. Like but, yeah, there is, I mean, there is like, nothing more more Vulcan than that. <laughs> it has the best line ever, which is like, "Is there anything more Vulcan than Bendai syndrome?" Spock's dad had it, and he was Vulcan as a motherfucker. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah, and then, and, and then Talyn's just like, "Hmm, that is right. I am Vulcan as a motherfucker. I must be Vulcan <laughs> as well." And just hearing her say "motherfucker" is brilliant. But yeah. <laughs> But it's quite good because it, it basically resolves Talyn's symptoms and they dissipate and the crew grows back to normal, which is quite good. Uh, so everyone basically calms down and kind of collapses. <laughs> comes down and comes to, which leads to, obviously, the number one. They're lying with a little blanket going... <laughs> <laughs> well, well, because the thing that he's got hung up on, like, it's like everyone's in a sort of weird LSD kind of, you know, cocaine binge, basically. But they're all like heightened emotion. And he's got really upset because he got turned down by one of the delegates. So, yeah. <laughs> I can play hard to get. <laughs> <laughs> I could be, I could be a jewel. But yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what's the next thing? We're nearly at the end here, which is good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You can all go in a little bit. It's all right. We'll yeah, get there fine. eventually. Just keep with us. Keep with us. But the security team finally get to the bridge and immediately beat the shit out of the Betazoids, which is <laughs> quite, quite good because it shows how good the security team is. That the, the normal bridge crew tried to take them out before and got their asses handed to them. And then security literally just beats the shit out of them. And I love that it has one of them tries to read the officer's mind. And then just goes like, oh, why can't I read it? And they're like, oh, it's the power of slam poetry. <laughs> well, they've strengthened their mind through poetry. <laughs> and it's just dumb, but, you know. But yeah, and then punches in the face. So it's quite good. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then just while all this is happening, the captain manages to turn the ship around just before they hit the neutral zone. So we see like, on the thing before. just before. And then hilariously... We see a Romulan warbird decloak, and we see all of the crew just looking really disappointed, just being. Oh, boo. <laughs> <laughs> and it's quite good because they just go, Oh, I'm going to go, we're going to go somewhere else and lurk about. Because <laughs> Romulans are just creepy as fuck. That's basically all they do in this. I've got a feeling that's going to be the good point down there. Let's go to that heading instead. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, and then finally, the ship gets to Riser, and then we get a. Uh, 
conversation between Shax and Boimler about how they they were trying to give him a day off about how he was getting so stressed trying to remember people's names. He was working way too hard. They were trying to give him a day off. And they point out like the moral of this episode that is something that I think what I referred to at the beginning of the show, which is basically that your emotional well-being is important to doing your job properly. Where yes. if you don't give yourself time, if you don't take time out, and if you don't, if you're not aware of how you're feeling, and you don't get in touch with your sensitive side, it is going to affect your ability to do all of the stuff you want to do. So you can't be a badass if you don't take some time out and do some slam poetry or charades or tarot, whatever. Or whatever, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if you don't trust your instincts, you know. You know, you can't just let your whole crew sink just because you didn't trust your own instincts. Yes, that's yeah, that, kind that's of thing. thing. There's logic and there's stupidity. And I think not doing what you know is right, even if it's illogical, is stupidity. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But yeah. Uh, now, interestingly, we get a little bit of plot development because we've been hinting at a lot of stuff throughout the things. But when the Betazoids beam off and they've finally got to Riser, the Betazoids beam off, they give Freeman a parting gift, which is a pad with a photo of the ship that we've seen destroying all the other things, which at least is progression in terms of going, okay, now Starfleet know what they're looking for. They know what to do. And it's quite good. And I always love this about Star Trek, where everyone just gives pads away. Like, you know, you know how we have tablets now where the tablet is a computer and can do a billion things. In Star Trek, you have a whole device to show one picture and you're like, that's what it does. And then what happens? Do you do you de-replicate it? Do you just recycle it? Or do you just go, well, that's my one picture pad. That's a lot of microchips. This is one of the things that I remember having a conversation when I first started one of my departments. Um, I was I started a conversation, it ended up being a huge in-depth conversation of what happens to all the cups and things? Because you replicate in yeah. bowls and cups all the time. Do you de-replicate them? Or if they just firing them out is there just cups and plates floating around space that have been <laughs> no, they, they, no, they do do this like it is mentioned that they literally once they finish a meal they put it in the bin and then the bin just dematerializes it and then makes wow. it back into stuff yeah so it's pretty it's pretty good but surely that's the most dangerous thing in the entire world like like in america have you seen that they've got um Oh, what are they called? Like they're called the, they're, they're like little spinny blade things that you get in waste sinks. disposal. Units. Yeah, waste disposal. Yeah. We don't have them here, and I'm just like, that's the most dangerous thing in the entire world. Like in in Britain, we're like, oh, we best lock all of the jars away because otherwise children might get into the cupboards and hurt themselves on a jar. And then in America, they're like, yeah, we have a sink that eats you. You know, it's <laughs> you know, oh yeah, we just got a sink we're full of spinning blades. And you sit there and be like, okay. Well, I suppose they've got guns, so it's like a lesser threat anyway. I mean, imagine having something that just demons. I mean, I'm I'm one of those yeah. people that someone's going to put a fucking hand in there, surely. Well, yeah, I'm I'm really a bit like ditzy, you know. I am blonde naturally, anyway. You know, <laughs> I, I'm the kind of person that would kind of drop something in the sink, forget about it, and then stick my hand in and forget what's going on. You know, yeah. I am the kind of person that then will put my purse in the bin if I'm not thinking about what I'm doing. <laughs> Can you imagine putting your purse in the bin and it dematerializing? You're just being like, ah, everything's I, gone. I had a full on. <laughs> idiot moment the other day where I nearly nearly put my phone in the fridge <laughs> oh, so I had two things I literally had in my hands I had like I think it was some cheese and my phone and then got to got to the fridge and I was just like nope nope that's the phone put the cheese in the fridge and I was just like this is it's just downhill from here that's what I've seen I'm gonna be I'm gonna be where's this oh why is there cheese in it <laughs> plugged into the wall 
and they're like but that must mean and then the phone's just frozen in the fridge but yes and we finally wow, get this the... has been a wild ride it has been very silly but yeah okay finally we get uh we get a wonderful scene to end the episode which is mariner and tillin at the bar uh where they're, they're kind of getting on better than they usually do but it's tillin obviously has no emotion but uh, points out to Mariner, am I to understand you mock your friends more than your enemies? And Mariner points out that it's from a place of love. And this is something I think all healthy friendships should have, where the things you say to your friends are always way harsher than they will be to like someone you don't know. Yes. Like me, me and Ian, me and Ian, la la. Like we tear each other apart all the time. And it because we love each other, you know? It's that idea. Because we've got this strong friendship, we just destroy each other verbally like have you just tried not being shit <laughs> that's what i said that's what i said he, he was failing at this video game what was he playing it was like dark souls or something he was playing and he kept dying he was getting really angry i'm like have you tried not being shit you know <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah but that, that's the relationship we have but yeah, uh, but the episode ends with basically Talyn giving up on sending a message, uh, you know, which effectively says that she's happy staying on the Cerritos. Uh, Tendi and Tendi comes over wanting to have fun, but Talyn's just like, nope, I've given my one hug of the day. I am done. <laughs> so it's, a, it's quite good. So, yeah, what did you think of this episode? I know you said that the previous one was like probably your favourite. I really like this episode too. I can't lie. I love this season. I have I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I know I have totally smashed it all in in one sitting, but uh, I kind of enjoyed that in itself because it flows really well. This episode was really great because of the there was a lot of really great next generation references. There was really great twists and turns, particularly with obviously like the Bertazoid intelligence, which obviously we've never known about before. So effectively yeah. the Bertazoid section. Yeah, yeah. And I like that every race has it. So obviously yes. like the Vulcan, the Romulans have the Tal Shiar. I yes. don't know what the Vulcan one is called, uh, but the Cardassians have the uh, the Obsidian Order. So yes. all of the races, and obviously Starfleet have Section 31, so all the races have this. And we never thought that Betazoids might have one, but they do. They do. So it's quite good that they've added that into the law. I love the security guards bit, you know, how they were like, we're here for your empathic well-being as well as, you know, your emotional <laughs> well-being as well as, uh, you know, that is part of security. I thought it had some really deep parts as well, but also the sense of humour was on point. Like when the when the Betazoids came on the ship and they were like, triple threat! And it's like, <laughs> oh God, like three Betazoids in one, you know, this is, it was just a really great episode. This but it whole leads you down that season. path of basically yes. going, oh, well, it's obviously the Betazoids. And then yes. it sort of spins it around a bit. It's like, actually, because... Because it, it's quite weird, though, that we've had two very psychic races that have the ability to influence the minds of the people around them when they're stressed. The Vulcans and the Vulcans with Bendai syndrome and the uh, the Betazoids with the other one. What's it called? Zandi uh, Fever. Yeah, Zandi Fever. And it's it's that idea of we've never had them together. We've never had those two very similar plots together. And it's great that Lower Decks... Lower Decks is probably the only one that could do it. Like, it's yes. probably the only thing that could go, hey, let's have this plot. And I thought that was wonderful. Like, and it was really good, obviously, seeing more Betazoids, getting lovely, so many nods to uh, Rest in Peace, uh, Luxana Troy. Oh, what's her name? Um, Marjet Barrow. Barrett. Yeah, Mar yeah. <laughs> Legend. Like, Bonbury. you know. Marjet yeah. Barrow Bonbury, yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
But no, no, I, I absolutely love this episode as well. I thought it was really, really good. I, that's We should probably end this because we've been going for two hours now. And yes, Paul sorry, everybody. We've kept you all evening, but this is what happens. Um, this is why me and Snowy should never be left unattended. Um, mm. and, and we're sober, so you can imagine how far that can go. Um, yeah. I, I think, obviously, these the this season has been phenomenal. I think Lower Decks is a real gem. If you haven't watched all of it, if you haven't watched these, you have to. Even if you're not a massive Trekkie, this is a gateway to something really funny and gateway amusing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a gateway to Trek. <laughs> you will be addicted. You will end up like us all. But, uh, well, yeah, it's fantastic. And um, thank you for having me on as a guest mm-hmm. this week. It's been a joy. Um, goodwill, come back. I think it's good though I, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to do this because it's like Goodwill is someone who is very very he's not as confident as he should be considering how brilliant he is and you know he's phenomenal he, he's so he's so sort of like oh well you know like you know like he doesn't like attention and stuff like this and yet you're just like yeah but you are absolutely hilarious you're absolutely brilliant and stuff and I think the fact that this has been such utter chaos without him <laughs> kind of points out the fact of just being like no no well you're obviously not crap because you know, like you know, we managed you, to keep it on the, the rails part. most of the time, whereas <laughs> you've let us two loose, cannons loose on it. Oh, wait, man, come on. Two hours. And my knowledge, months. my knowledge has gone out my head without goodwill here. I mean, I'm like normally, yeah, no, pff, gone. I totally rely Shut on him. The amount of times I'm like, fell. oh, what's that race called? And he's just like, broke, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I was too what's busy thinking called? about gay. I Gordon, have sorry. no idea. I've got notes. That's all that matters. <laughs> That's what they say. We should have done that. And I'm like, Shaka when the walls fell. Oh, okay. But yeah, I got that reference. Anyway, anyway, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. We will be back thank with you. Goodwill next Friday if he hasn't decided to fully immigrate. Immigrate? Emigrate. Emigrate. What's it called when back. you go out? Fuck off, basically. Yeah. <laughs> as long as he hasn't done that. But yes, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, what have we got coming up? Um, we have loads of crazy things. So basically on Sunday, we have the Nerdy Up North podcast that you should definitely tune in for, which is talking about Shark. I'm going to have to watch this. I'm not even on this one and I'm literally going to be happily watching this because it's about sharks in horror movies, including space sharks. So tune in at half seven on Sunday for that. Uh, next Thursday, if you're in Newcastle and you're a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, I, as the Velvet Snatch, am the special guest at the viewing party at Bobby's in Newcastle. So if you come along for 8pm at Bobby's in Newcastle, Google it, pre-event, I will be there with Theresa May from Drag Race Season 3 and Gladys Duffy, who is a local legend. I will have my little app working, so we will be voting on the contestants as the show progresses. I'm not even drunk. Progresses. And it should be quite fun. And then I'll do, be doing a performance after the last Metro. So no one will see it, which is great. Um, and then and the next weekend, if you are around, there is Hartlepool Folk Festival, which is, it sounds, you know, you, you hear it and you go, oh, that's going to be really boring. But it's a wonderful family event in Hartlepool uh, on the headland. It is always amazing. They have all these shows on all of these uh you know, different acts to go and see all of these different bands, all these activities for families and stuff. And myself and Theresa May will be hosting the adult cabaret on Sunday night. 
Uh, I don't know the location yet, but it'll be on a website somewhere. Uh, and I will be, yeah, we will be doing a horror cabaret for everyone with lots of lovely folk musicians and cabaret type things. So, yeah. But if you're not there, then you can be watching the Nerdy Up North podcast on Sunday that week. But, yeah, there's all my shout outs. Do you have anything to shout out? To shout nope. out? I am incredibly boring, but uh, I know obviously in two weeks' time there is the Nerdy Up North 24-hour charity podcast. Yes. So that is probably where I'm going to try and tune in for the Sunday night one as well about Space Sharks because, you know, Space Sharks. Yeah. I'm... Um, but no, I don't I don't have a life other than watching Star Trek. So, you know, um, this is how they drag me out of my shell. So thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Just going to point out to Joe Border. no, it's... Theresa May, as in the Spanish sausage, Theresa May, like the Spanish sausage, and it's a play on words of Theresa May. But thankfully, she's more famous than Theresa May now, which is great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I would get her on the podcast, but it's actually her fiance that is a massive Trek nerd. I talk to Theresa's uh, fiance all the time about Trek. He's more into Voyager. I'm more DS9. He's more Voyager. But yeah. It's it's great chatting to him uh, about that. But yes, uh, yes, and you can follow me at thevelvetsnatch.com or thevelvetsnatch on Instagram and Goodwill on all of his socials. But yes, tune in next week at the same time for Nerdy Up North and Monsters Happens during the week. Yeah, go watch Monsters. <laughs> That's it's, Monday. It, it's, it's on Monday, but it's I have no idea. I don't want to say too much because I have no idea what episode they're doing this week. Hmm. They did one with Gary Oldman, and I have no idea what the episode of Monday is, so let's just not mention it. Thankfully, no one heard that, because I did this. <laughs> yeah. Right, okay. Right, okay. See you later, everyone. Uh, see you next week. Have a great Good night. Week. I will see you soon. Thank you very much, everybody in chat. It's been a joy. Thank you for the opportunity. Bye, guys. Live long and miles. miles. Live long and prosper. More.